Big Dumb Movie is a comedic podcast that often contains obscene language and outlandish commentary. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Big Dumb Movie, where we discuss movies of the big dumb variety. I'm your host, Corey, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Jonathan. Hey, Corey. Thanks for having me back. Of course. Happy to have you. And joining us all the way from the beautiful land of Michigan, mm. the creator of the podcast Spoilers, Pappy. We are Genie. I have a giant turban on. I would never wear this on Spoilers, but I would wear it on Big Dumb Movie uh, in case you guys get canceled. I can't hear you, Pappy. We are Genie! <laughs> and joining us for the first time from the Silver Screen Breakdowns podcast, the fantasy hustler himself, Alex. Yeah, what is going on, guys? I'm just over here chilling, eating some goat eyes, and uh, ready to talk about Kazam. Are, are they are they Nubian goat eyes though? Uh, gotta be that. Those are the best <laughs> in the world. What's oh, a man. Nubian? <laughs> I, I haven't had those in three thousand days. <laughs> Comedy so good in this movie that we reuse it for our podcast. <laughs> That's how you know we're talking about a quality film. And of course, I'm talking about the only quality film that came out of the year 1996, Kazam, starring Shaquille O'Neal, directed by Paul Michael Glazer. Now, real quick, I just want to say that we're talking about Kazam, not to be confused with Shazam, a movie starring Sinbad that doesn't exist. And if you mm. think it does, you're a fucking idiot. I just want to say publicly, I'm done with this fucking Shazam Sinbad conversation. <laughs> All these fucking idiots online that swear that this movie exists, just like, I don't know, jump in a wood chipper, do something, get off the internet. I'm done with you. Dude, I jumped on a rabbit hole of YouTube last night. I was watching like Shazam News, where it's like someone who's trying to like scour the internet for people mentioning Shazam or it being mentioned in pop culture. It was absurd. Insane. It's insane. The fact that people think this is real. It's one thing to be like, oh, I think that might be real. And it's another thing to defend it into the ground. I think I uncovered the reason why people think this movie exists so, Pappy. Well, they call it the Mandela effect. I also went down a YouTube rabbit hole. And in 1996, there were two movies that came out by Disney, both starring black men who co-star with a white kid, and they kind of become a fatherly figure to that kid, and some lessons are learned along the way. One of those we're here to talk about today, and that's Kazam. The other movie is called First Kid, and it stars Sinbad. Oh. That could be. I remember First Kid. Yeah. There's no possible way that anybody confused Kazam with First Kid. I think they conflate in your mind if you haven't watched no, these movies for a long no, time. No, and I And I'm going to continue because the VHS tape for Shazam... or God, look at me. I'm doing it. This VHS tape for <laughs> Kazam has a trailer for First Kid in front of it. And the VHS tape for First Kid has a trailer for Kazam in front of it. I'm pretty sure people mix these movies up in their mind. 
in first kid, Sinbad does not wear anything other than a, um, a regular suit and then a track suit when they go like boxing. <laughs> so never has, is was he dressed anywhere close. Well, he wears a tux with a funny tie. Yeah. Remember? I'm black and I'm wearing a tie. Yeah. <laughs> the only the black tie event. Yep. The only one with the colored tie. The whole Mandela effect, Corey, just seems like bullshit. You know, it's like how many people really remembered Shazam? Or if you frame it like, hey, remember that movie in the 90s, Shazam with Sinbad? Yeah, I guess so. It never existed. You know what I mean? Like you're like priming the person to think about it before you even ask. I still have a, a faint sense of it actually existing like i've been watching these get the fuck out (laughs) no come back (laughs) he's from another dimension (laughs) glitch in the simulation oh he left (laughs) i don't need him you know (laughs) i've never seen shazam so i never uh because it doesn't exist, right? So right. I, I've never once said that I ever remember it or anything. The most that I remember is seeing the pictures on social media where people are saying, I remember this movie. I do not. Which are mostly stills from like a college humor video where Sinbad played a genie from 2017. It was an April Fool's joke. It came out on April 1st. People use that as a reference point, which is kind of weird to me. But anyway, don't want to spend too much time on an angry rant. Time to be happy and talk about a movie I love. Well, we'll see. Duh. <laughs> Kazam. Star Shaquille O'Neal. I mentioned that. It got me thinking about athletes in movies, you know? A lot of movies will sometimes try to get a little bit of traction, make a little bit extra money by pulling in a star athlete, even if they can't act. doesn't matter. Sometimes even like a musician. But for the sake of this conversation, I want to keep it to athletes. Alex... The Fantasy Hustler. Maybe you can tell me about some that are noteworthy to you. Well, I'm just going to give them the best athlete who is an actor right now. And that's The Rock. Do you smell what The Rock is cooking? Ha! The Rock's laying the smackdown. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I mean, going back to his WWE days. I mean, you see the, the Scorpion King and all that. Not really the best, but... Got him a lot better as he made it to the the Fast and the Furious world. But The Rock is definitely someone when he was starting off. So he played that video game character in The Scorpion King and The Mummy Returns? (laughs) (laughs) He always plays the same character. Like, at least that's what it seems. Always just a big bounty hunter or something, a big cop or, I mean. Well, it's funny you mention that because I think one of the earliest roles I remember from him was actually not that. It was from Be Cool. Do you remember the Get Shorty sequel called Be Cool? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, so good. That movie kind of like fell under the radar, maybe because it didn't quite live up to Get Shorty, which I think was more beloved, debatably. But The Rock was in that movie, and he played a gay bodyguard that wanted <laughs> to get into Hollywood, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yep. so that was a little bit different. But you're right, generally The Rock is is as himself, pretty much. You know, just just to kind of plus one that, um, I think The Rock in the series on HBO called Ballers, he is such a phenomenal actor in there. It's not like that Fast and the Furious beat him up role that he's been playing for so long. You know, it, it definitely, I think, takes his acting abilities to the next level and I've really enjoyed that show. So if you haven't watched Ballers, get out there and watch that. Definitely double down on that. Great show. 
it's interesting that you say The Rock because you know he's a wrestler, and I'm talking about professional athletes. <laughs> Some the wrestlers that go into acting, they I think they have a little bit of an edge because wrestling is partly acting, right? So it's it's not quite the same as other professional sports. I mean, I respect the hell out of it, professional wrestling to a huge degree. I think more than like your common person that doesn't watch wrestling, but. It's a, it's almost like a little bit of a cheat answer because, you know, they are actors <laughs> essentially, but Jonathan, what about you? What would you say? Oh man, I, I actually have a wrestler, uh, in my top three athletes in movies. This one is Andre the giant in the mm-hmm. princess bride. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, the movie is so fucking stupid, but I, I always have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. But it's great. It is. But it is. It's stupidly great. And Vicini, he can fuss. Fuss, fuss. Think you like to scream at us? Probably he means no harm. He's very, very short on charm. You have a great gift for Ryan. Yes, yes. Some of the time. Enough of that! Fuzzy, are the rocks ahead? If they are, we all be dead. No more rhymes now, I mean it! Anybody want to feel it? I also like Bob Euchre in Major League. <laughs> Little Good known line. fact, he was actually a baseball player. And uh, for those who actually know baseball, uh, you, you have a free pass on this one, Corey. Mm-hmm. He actually only had like 14 career home runs, and one of them was off of Sandy Koufax, who's an absolute legend in the game of baseball. The dad from Big Daddy? <laughs> yeah, that's who mm-hmm. it is. <laughs> <laughs> Koufax is a good egg. He was nice to that kid. But he fights like a girl. <laughs> and then I'm going to go with Mike Ditka from Kicking and Screaming with Will Ferrell. It's, I, it's a total... Guilty pleasure. I can't believe I'm even admitting that I like this movie. I don't even but, know this movie. Oh, dude. Yeah, don't don't watch it. Um, you're going to probably <laughs> like it. So <laughs> Don't watch I, it. I don't you're going to probably re- like yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want to be responsible for that. Because okay. then you're going to be mad at me that you do like <laughs> it. <laughs> I have enough movies I have to hide from the world, you know? Yeah, you don't need another one. <laughs> yeah. Pappy, Athletes and Movies. So Jonathan actually took the first one I was going to say, which was Andre the Giant. I'll go with another wrestler, though. Dave Bautista. He's been in a lot of fucking good movies. You know, he was in Dune. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. uh, Blade Runner 2049. So he's been great. And then I'm going to go with a second one, which we covered on spoilers. KG, another basketball player in Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems. Right. He was good in that. He's really yeah. good in that. And I think he stays within himself, which I think is sometimes Shaq doesn't do in this movie. Like there's not a whole scene where KG has a rap song. <laughs> you know what I mean? Even though. So <laughs> for a second there, I thought he was going to shout out Hulk Hogan in a suburban commando. <laughs> <laughs> Another classic. But yeah, KG. Basketball players, I think kind of translate to the best stars, Corey. You know what I mean? In the sense that like there's only five of them out there at a time and their their face isn't obscured by like a helmet or a hat or anything. So it kind of makes sense that like this has been done a lot. 
with basketball players. Like even like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in um, Airplane, right? Like he's in that movie. Yeah, yeah, yep. he's a pilot. Mm-hmm. Just makes a lot of sense. The fact that he was in that movie kind of blows my mind after watching Winning Time. Like there's there's a, there's a huge disconnect for me with that like with that personality <laughs> and being in a comedy movie. Well, he was kind of going through a rough time in 1980. The Lakers were trash at the time. He wasn't winning. I'm pretty sure he was trying to uh, diversify his portfolio. For sure. You're probably right. Didn't he do the movie with Bruce Lee around that time, too? He did do a movie with Bruce Lee sometime yeah. around then, yeah. yeah. That one I could kind of more see, though. My answer for this question that I asked... Actually, if Two. You better not say Space Jam, Michael Jordan. Fuck no. <laughs> you better not say LeBron and Spice, uh, Spice Jam. Space Jam. Oh my God, you're onto something. LeBron James and the Spice Girls. Spice Jam. <laughs> Spice Jam World Tour 2026. Sounds like the sequel to Dune, Spice Jam. Yeah. <laughs> So I just found out recently, semi-recently, that Carl Weathers was a professional athlete. Oh, yeah. yeah. He he played for hmm. the Raiders. Yeah. I'm sure Alex knows this since the Raiders are local to you, I guess, now that they're in Vegas. They're in Vegas, right? Yep. So you know about sports. I'm going to give you another one, too. I wanted to see if any of you guys got this, but Sloth from the Goonies, his real name, John... Matizak, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. He was actually the number one overall pick in the NFL 1973 and a two-time Super Bowl champ with the Raiders. Damn, they just paid him in Baby Ruths or what? There <laughs> like, you go, bro. <laughs> All the Baby Ruths you can eat. He's like the Forrest Gump out on the field. They're like, <laughs> just run. <laughs> Hey, do you guys remember that other uh, football player, O.J. Simpson? The guy who was in the car chase? Oh, the famous yeah. murderer? Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he was a professional athlete, too. Yeah, O.J. Simpson killed somebody? What? Yeah. <laughs> when did this happen? The famous non-murderer, remember? Yeah. Right. That's right. The, the glove didn't fit, bitch. A jury of his peers. <laughs> hey, can I give a quick um, uh, runner-up, though? Yeah. Dan Marino, Ace Ventura. Oh my god, yes. he's so bad in that movie though. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> but he made out with Einhorn. <laughs> Got any more of that gum, Ace? That's none of your damn business, Dan. <laughs> You're a weird guy, Ace. Weird guy. Oh my god. He's so bad in that movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's kind of what you see more commonly with these yeah. professional athletes in these, yeah. especially these 90s movies. They're just like, it doesn't matter. We just want to have your name in there, you know? Maybe we'll put yeah. you on the poster or something. Here's my other one. This, this is my number two. A guy that I'd never heard of called Cam Neely. Do you guys know who Cam Neely is? Sounds familiar. I thought you were going to say Cam Newton. He's a oh. professional hockey player, or he was. Bruins, I guess. He was Seabass in Dumb yeah. and Dumber. Oh, <laughs> that dude that's was a so professional funny. hockey player. That's awesome. Well, if that's Seabass over there. Kick his ass, Seabass! <laughs> I couldn't remember uh, his name, but he was actually like really legit. Like one of the best power forwards of all time, apparently. Damn, really? <laughs> <laughs> 
And he's looking for a good time in uh, men's bathrooms at truck stops, apparently. No big deal. <laughs> apparently, he gets knocked out pretty fucking easily for a hockey player. Dude. He got knocked out by a bathroom stall door. He's tough, but he's got a glass jaw. Yeah, like yeah, he can't, apparently. He can't take a stall door to the head. Like One too many concussions. Like That probably killed him. Like, <laughs> Poor guy. I got, I got one more, another football player. All right. The love of Mary's life in something about Mary, Mr. Brett Favre. What the hell is Brett Favre doing here? I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. Mm-hmm. Another awful, awful <laughs> actor. <laughs> <laughs> so horrible. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're, we're in the right mindset now to talk about Kazam. As I mentioned, starring one of the, uh, I don't know, is it fair to say one of the biggest names in NBA history, Shaquille O'Neal? Absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely. Literally. Big guy. Yeah. I mean, this guy was a big deal for a long time, even before he was winning championships with the Lakers, right, Jonathan? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he is still considered one of, if not the most dominant player in basketball i mean i I was listening to some stats the other night and then in one of their championship runs Shaq was averaging like 35 points per game and and kobe was averaging like 15 a night at that time that's insane dude Mm -hmm. that is extremely insane like he changed the game of a big man's role in basketball like the strong center, like just like yeah. pushing everyone out of his way, like run, moan through people. Dude. Being from Indiana, Corey, I like to watch basketball highlights late into the night from YouTube. And my favorite one is Young Shaq highlights because he was so fucking athletic. Like you don't even realize like how a person that big could move that nimbly. Now his game like obviously changed a little bit, but it makes sense, right? That they he would translate into the star like big dude, athletic dude, big personality. I think everyone loves Shaq. He's the reason that they changed the basketball backboards from being glass, like tempered glass to another, like, I don't know, probably a a polycarbonate type material so they didn't shatter anymore. But you didn't know that, Corey. Because he was breaking them all the time? Yeah. The term breaking boards came from Shaq because he would literally try to pull down the entire hoop when every time he dunked it. So, yeah, there's so many highlights just on YouTube of him just bringing the house down. Another thing about Shaq, Corey, is like he must have literally the highest Q score of like any professional athlete, like likability rating, because he's been in approximately 10,000 different commercials in my lifetime. And still to this day, he's in so many commercials. Yeah. I think Michael Jordan kind of started that like commercialism of like superstar athletes, right? Or maybe it's just because that's like when I was a kid and I became aware of it. But Shaq definitely fit nicely into that as well, right? Like he's a he's a likable dude. He's a amazing superstar player. And of course, you know, they can use him in other things, commercials, movies, cameos, all that stuff, video games. I don't know if you guys remember a game called Shaq Fu, oh, yeah. Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo. Mm. Not a good game, but uh, it existed. I think he just really understood that his body was not going to hold up to the level of performance that he wanted to be at as long as he wanted to be at. And as a very well-educated 
college man, he knew that he needed to to diversify into other other income sources, and mm-hmm. and so he took every opportunity that would come his way. And now look, I mean, the guy is just unbelievably loaded. He's got tons of restaurant franchises all over the U.S. He always got paid in equity. Like he didn't like want cash for like the endorsements that he would do he would want like stock in the company and like just holding that for so many years you know like everyone loves Shaq and he's like he's like part owner of Reebok now you know and he had his Reebok shoes and now he's one of the major stakeholders in Reebok Shaq single-handedly is the reason that Papa John's pizza is continuing to be a success today after the former Papa John was removed See, from, I thought it was the memes that kept Papa John's going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he he went in there and was like, "Look, I have I have a couple of demands uh, to make this work, and we'll we'll make the company, you know, reshape." And he was like, "Look, you don't have a single black person on your board of directors. You've got twenty board of directors here, and you're all white guys. Like, get some color in here." So he put himself onto the board of directors. Oh, that's what you meant by diversify. I, yeah. There you go. <laughs> Especially after those Papa John's tapes comes out. That was very yeah, necessary. Exactly. <laughs> he, he wanted to be involved in all of the commercials going forward. And then he got like 50 franchises or something. And I mean, the, the company is existing today. Is and that where the Shaq like shoulder dance meme comes from? A Papa yes, John's commercial? That's exactly where it comes from. What they did was... They came to him with a script and were like, here, this is what we want to do. And he's like, that's fucking trash, dude. And just went in and was like, I'm going to start talking about the pizza and I'm going to start doing shit. Just record me and make a commercial out of it. And then they they got all kinds of footage and, and just found a gold commercial. I noticed he didn't use that same line of reasoning when they handed him the Kazam script. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Which kind of brings me into a question I have for you, Jonathan. Okay. How the hell was this movie made? Well, funny you ask. You know, we, we know Steve isn't here who normally handles this role. So I'm going to take my best crack at it. So bear with me, okay? So Kazam is... I guess they're qualifying it as a musical fantasy comedy. Um, yeah, it's a regular Moulin Rouge. Hmm. Yeah, 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 it's, it's way up wait. there, right? <laughs> So it was directed by Paul Michael Glazer, who you mentioned already. And if anybody recognizes him, he was the detective Starsky from the original Starsky and Hutch in the 70s. Because all of us watched that, right? (laughs) Fucking trash. All right, you know what? I'm never going to do Steve's bit any fucking justice, okay? Let's just be honest here. Who the hell cares how this movie was made? The budget was probably ridiculous. The product placement in this movie was ridiculous. The story was ridiculous. The acting in the script was even worse. It was a dog shit movie made for one thing. It was a cash grab because aside from Michael Jordan at the time, Shaq was probably the biggest sports superstar on the planet in 1996. Plain and simple. It was a trash ass movie with trash ass actors to try to make a few bucks, but it exists. We loved it as kids. We watched it again 25 years later. Here's our review. Take it away, Kyle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. I did I did a little bit of research and I saw that like 
this is going to bring the tone down a little bit, but it makes a lot of sense that he, Paul Glasser, his wife died of AIDS after giving birth to their son in a blood transfusion. And he was kind of just like not super into his work at the time. And he took his son to the NBA all-star game and Shaq's people were like, Hey, do you have any movie parts for Shaq? And he just said, yeah, Shaq should play a genie. And Touchstone wanted to compete with the Michael Jordan movie. So this like got rushed into production. Like they only had like 10 weeks to make it basically because of the NBA schedule. And like that just informed so much about the movie that it was like rushed in a copycat and not really thought through as a story. Uh, that does bring things down a little bit, Pappy. <laughs> well, it's super sad, but I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> like, Well, Pappy, I do want to bring it back to you, actually, to take us directly into Kazam. Can you tell us how Kazam opens up? Uh, so Kazam opens up the very first thing we see, which I don't even know why this is necessary, is we see how Shaq came to inhabit a boombox. There's some old building, and it's getting demolished, and he's in a lamp, and he gets knocked over, and his spirit enters the boombox, which I thought Shaq was saying that he was been in all these other kinds of objects. Like, how did he end up back in a lamp? I don't really know. But we also meet Max, who he's not your typical 90s kid, Corey. He's got a little bit more attitude than a normal 90s kid in this role. Yeah, they really wanted to make him as unlikable as possible, I think. Mm-hmm. He talks back, he skips class. Not a good kid. Before we bash too many things in this movie, I want to say that I don't think the kid, the actor, is the problem with this. I think the problem with Max is the character as he's written, which is to be very unlikable, almost the whole movie, and the direction, the way he's told to portray the unlikability factor, right? So I think the kid himself is fine, and you guys might disagree with me on that. I think it's what he's told to do and how he's told to do it. From now on, you're going to come home from school and you're going to start doing chores. Chores? Yes, chores. What do you mean chores? Milk the cows, feed the chickens? I don't get it. Max, this is exactly the thing that is really putting me over the edge. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Forget chores. Forget chores. What we mean is we want to help you. Now, we're going to get you a tutor, and I'd like to start picking you up after school. He's not picking me up after school. I don't have to listen to you, all right? You're not my father. You will never be my father. You watch your mouth. Watch yours. You lied to me. You told my father wasn't here, but he is. I've seen him. What do you think of Max, Jonathan? <laughs> I think Max, his fucking snaggle tooth. Like, why do we keep doing movies about kids <laughs> with, with, with these, the like, messed up teeth? You know? Ugliest kids. We do podcasts on together. <laughs> I swear. I knew that wouldn't get by you. Dude. Yeah, the tooth. I, I knew the- Jonathan would... <laughs> This, this kid is literally two Birkenstocks away from being like an all natural, unshaven OnlyFans account. Like, it's <laughs> disgusting, dude. What kind of OnlyFans do you subscribe mm, to? Uh, not those, dude. <laughs> not those. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't understand what the deal was in the 90s with picking like really ugly kid actors. <laughs> <laughs> it, wasn't, like, it wasn't always, but it was sometimes, sure. I think they were going for like, a regular looking kid 
So regular kids are ugly? Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Dude, you and I were regular kids, and we were not that ugly. I was han- I was a handsome boy, yeah. Yeah, you were a fine piece of, <laughs> one fine piece of ace. I know, I had to turn you down more than one time. <laughs> Max is like a different kind of 90s kid. He's not like the, he's not the new kid in town, which is something you see a lot of. He's a cool 90s kid. He's the class clown. You know, he, he walks down the hallway when, you know, class is in session, I think, to mostly ditch. But they got Coolio playing while he's walking to kind of give him, like, a, a little bit of an urban cool vibe. He keys lockers for no reason, so he's kind of a bad kid. This kid is just screaming psychological issues, right? Like, he's so traumatized that, like, he didn't have a dad growing up. Like, he just oozes out, like, I just need a dad to give me a hug. Yeah, very much so. I think you're right. They are setting that up pretty strongly because the father figure uh, theme is is very prevalent in this movie. And you're right. His character yearns for it. He yearns for it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Why is it every 90s movie, though, the kids are divorced? Like, you're right. Like, he's a different kind of 90s kid, but it's the same 90s kid story. Like, every movie, the parents are divorced. It feels lazy. That's probably when the divorces just started spiking like crazy. Probably. During the 90s. Seems like everyone who was married, you know, before the before 1989, let's just say it, just seemed like their marriage lasted forever. Maybe kids could relate to it. Parents finally realized that maybe staying together for the kids wasn't the right choice. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, uh, Max is like... So he's super cool amongst like the seventh graders is what it seems, you know, in his class. But then like to the eighth graders, he's just a little scrub who gets punked all the time. So I think that's really what it is. He wants to be cooler than how he actually is to the entire world. I mean, because it seems like that class, he's the superstar, but literally five feet outside of the class is getting punked and spray painted on the ground and getting jacked for his lunch money. I'd beat his ass for wearing a fishing vest to school too. Dude. Little fucking grease ball dude. What the fuck is he wearing in this movie? I, I tell that kid to go blow his nose, man. Like he sounds like he's had a sinus infection for six months. Like Omri? <laughs> oh dude. Just like Omri, man, from Indian in the cover. <laughs> What a rookie move by the teacher to give the class clown the key to the fucking supply closet and send him out in the hallways to roam. Like, come on. That's teacher 101. Another alien abduction, Maxwell. They want him out to groups, but they didn't get a thing. (laughs) The key to the supply closet, Maxwell. The key to the supply closet. Oh, I left it in the door, Mrs. Duke. And you also left us without enough time to hear your little presentation. But I want to hear it anyway, right here after school. That that teacher is an old school, no bullshit, New York City, black, heavy set woman, like. I would not fuck with her <laughs> and break her rules by any means. No, that's the teacher you don't fuck like, with. Right. And <laughs> and like what but why would she give this kid the key? Like that I I'm with you on that one, man. 
It makes no sense. She did have a momentary lapse of judgment there. No, she or maybe she said, get this fucking kid out of my class before I murder him. You know, she's like, I'm about to catch a case. dude. Get this kid out of here. Yeah, that could have been his punishment, right? Going to the supply closet because she literally didn't want to yell at him anymore. Oh, man. I mean, we talked about Max's bullies a little bit. He he does have bullies that are constantly on his case. Uh, one of which is Pedro from Napoleon Dynamite. I'm sure you guys recognize him. Oh, yeah. He's oh, pretty yeah. mean in this movie. Not exactly class president material, I'd say. If you vote for me, all of your wildest dreams will come true. But, Alex, maybe you can talk about what kind of goes down with Max and this group of bullies. So... Just like you said, he's he's running through while well, walking through the halls, key in the lockers, like, you know, clowning one of his friends who's in class. And then he just gets snatched just real quick. We don't even know what's going on. Gets pulled into the bathroom, thrown on the ground. They're like spray painting his like chalk outline, you know, like they do in, <laughs> when someone dies with the um, and the police come find him. And yeah, the first thing they say is, uh, <laughs> does a dork on the ground have enough money or some some kind of line like that? And uh, it's Pedro, two dollars and seventy cents. We're gonna be living large off of this. And for whatever reason, it, it comes back into play where Max is already trying to look too cool. He he makes up this story. I don't even know what it is. Like, yeah, you guys want a real score? Like Fifth and Broadway, you know, Walker eight eight two, Rolexes, you know, who knows what? All types of cash, <laughs> jewels. <laughs> No idea how this story even gets believed, but Pedro obviously believes him. He hits him with the big L, loser. <laughs> that was one of my. That was one of the funny parts. That was uh, Pedro right there in full force. It's a math problem. If we took all the dough from the dork on the floor, would it be enough? Two dollars and seventy cents. We're gonna be living large on this. If you guys want a real score, yeah, it's the whole so part. Fifth and Broadway, Rolexes, gold chains, who knows what. Third aisle, locker 882. Upstairs, on all you need is this. We'll be in touch. Later. Loser. Come on, man. <laughs> so, like, these, this group of bullies are, like, aspiring young, like, thieves? Like, they want to, like... They score a big heist? Like, what is this? They're just looking for one last job so they can yeah, retire. Like They're trying out for the Foot Clan. <laughs> yeah, it's something like that. You know, like in New York, there's all these little crews and, you know, like all the OGs, they always got, you know, some young teenagers who are on the crew, Robin and, you know, pillaging, whatever. And that's what I assume is that uh, they're the 14-year-olds who are just jacking money to bring back to the crew. All right, we take this kid's lunch money, and then we do the Lufthansa heist next weekend. It's going to be great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much it with him. As, as soon as he gives them the key to the supply closet, uh, they take off. Pedro hits him with the loser in the L, and that's all we see of them. And then he goes back to class, gets in trouble from the teacher, doesn't have the key to the supply closet. And because he was outside of class he was supposed to give some oral report or something that's why he was actually messing around and ditching class and then he ends up getting detention because they didn't get to hear the oral report and pappy i want to toss to you to maybe we can cover this maybe once or twice but uh, mm -hmm. max's home life yeah he lives with his mom his dad isn't around maybe you can kind of take it from there yeah i'll, I'll bring the aides and the divorced parents to the discussion today <laughs> yes <laughs> i don't know like 
this the first 10 movie, minutes of this movie are like pretty cynical there's not like you said there's no likable characters really everyone's just kind of yelling at max everyone's up to hooliganism like even like the city that they live in or like the area that they live in seems pretty rough like they don't they don't actually get robbed but she mentions that they get robbed she's dating a new guy uh max's mom whose name's travis o'neill and the fact that they give him the last name o'neill is so confusing <laughs> i don't know why they made that decision it seems really weird but he's probably the most likable guy in this movie but max isn't taking it very well and that might be at the root of why he's been acting out a little bit recently yeah he does have a like a cool stepdad i think this guy like you know he wants to be nice to max he's a new york firefighter so i mean max is just basically being a little shit he's an angry little kid wouldn't you say jonathan oh for sure man uh and i i can kind of relate to this because like my son is not my biological son so we've had to go through some things especially now that he's starting to go he's 11 and a half he's starting to kind of figure life out a little bit you know he's like hey i got two dads in my life and you know he mentioned the other day like you know father's day is coming up should i hang out with you should i hang out with my dad i was like look man you got to make your own choices you know like i'm not here to replace your dad but i'm here to help guide you the best that i can right and so i kind of understand exactly where travis is coming from in this movie and i can see where max is being a little shithead because he just doesn't want to go along with it or just resents the fact that there's this new person but I kind of don't understand because his dad was never around anyways his dad's been gone for 10 years you know since he was two he doesn't doesn't remember right he doesn't know his dad like you want to be mad for no fucking reason sounds like you're just being a little piece of shit like because you want to be but using your lack of a father as an excuse Max, um, Travis and I want to get engaged. I thought he was just coming over for ribs. We wanted to wait till all of the papers were signed. Papers? The divorce papers. There, there were some things left unsigned by your father. My father? But I thought you didn't know where he was. I didn't. Listen, Max, what matters now is you and your mom can move on with your lives. That's why we want to get engaged. Wait, what about me? Why didn't you ask me? Max. What about me? Max. Corey, can I put on my Stevie hat and tell you something that would make this movie way fucking better? Yeah. The last wish should have been used to like save his stepdad from like the fire or something. You know what I mean? Because that like the whole movie is about him coming to terms with this arrangement basically right and like i don't know it's it's just weird like the dad that he does have i'm with you jonathan i don't know why he cares so much about this guy he's never met him he's never seen him even yeah like literally at the end of the movie it's a be kind to strangers like you know, <laughs> right um, yeah. it's pretty um, much like him just being like a super rebel 
right? And uh, I mean, going back to him being a little shit, like even when his mom says that they were robbed, he was like, mom, what kind of maniac would steal a motor to a Hoover? He's the one who stole it. Like he's right. using it at his outside, you know, um, that oasis that he has or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. like that, that's probably what he's using that motor for somehow. That's another thing that really bothers me about this movie is like, he's kind of like this like mechanical genius kid you know what i mean he's making all this shit like he makes that cool sky in his room but the movie doesn't fucking do anything with it you know what i mean it's just there in the background he doesn't like use his skills to like figure out a problem it's completely irrelevant to the story at large yeah yeah but it's yeah. like steve said to quote steve from the little monsters episode kids are always engineers in 80s and 90s movies like it's just <laughs> a so thing true. that goes along with the movie they can build shit and a story <laughs> alternate theory He's a tweaker. He's just taking all kinds of shit apart because he's got a bunch of unfinished electronics in his room. Yeah, phone chargers. Yeah, right? That's why his teeth are all jacked, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's He's got... He, when you walk into the room, you get that scene. You clearly see the vacuum motor just up and on its end right there. So what the fuck is he doing with it? Taking everything apart just to be a little douchebag? Nah, man, it's deeper. He's on some <laughs> shit, dude. He needs to do something. He's and, looking for that lost boulder. He's still looking for it from two years ago. That, that shard that fell out of his sack. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. New York is the city that never sleeps. Right. And, and then I think that's how we get his like little um, hideaway clubhouse lair that he has that big throne and a bicycle track and lights and like all kinds of shit. He lives at the foot clan hideout basically. Right. Like, yeah. That, I mean, he doesn't live there, but he, this comes up later in the movie. He has this whole fucking hangout spot. That's just his. I think maybe he shares it with other people. I feel like people would just show up there. Right. And like yeah. sleep there. <laughs> like It's got to be like just an abandoned building. And if he's got access to it and had enough time to build everything that he's built there, then other people should probably be living there also. Right. One day he's going to go there. It's going to be a total hobo camp. Right. <laughs> but Jonathan, the bullies do catch up with Max after he like runs away out of his apartment screaming like, what about me? Yeah. You never asked me. <laughs> Whatever the fuck. I want my daddy. He's moping, right? <laughs> and the bullies find him because he gave him, of course, a fake story about the heist that they wanted to pull off so badly. So uh, they want revenge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will give this kid credit for being quite the extravagant storyteller. Like, he sure has that, like, quick New York mentality of, like, being able to come up with a bullshit story on the spot to get out of any situation. All tweakers do. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, again, further proves my uh, theory here. Yes. So, apparently one of the bullies is a little bit older, maybe, like 16 at least, because they have a truck, they have a car, and tracked him down, and then they started running and chasing him. And I, I never understand why, except for... In movies for dramatics, somebody runs into a building and they, their instinct is just to go to the top floor. Like, why run up and up and up and up? Because you, you only have one choice, which is to go down. So you could chase the kid or just wait because he's got to come down eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's such a stupid move. I mean, unless you have, like, you know, a zip line up there from one building to the other or... 
And, I don't and know. I could see this kid having that actually. They could have probably implemented yeah. that. But uh, you're right. It's a stupid movie trope thing. Did you hear the bullies say they they want to put this key in his ass? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I don't blame them, dude. They wasted their time. They probably took a lot of taxi money to I go do down to Fifth them. and Broadway. That's too far. <laughs> Punch him in the face. Leave it at that. Which they ended up doing. And they only gloss on it for a second because you never really understand why, you know, the bullying. I mean, I always thought, you know, eighth graders versus seventh graders or something like that. But you hear him say, you messed with my little brother. And so we don't know the extent of how he messed with them, but there's something else for why they hate him. They're also at that age where a lot of kids just kind of say things thinking that they're really tough, you know, using terminology yeah. and language that they don't really you know. You messed with my family. Right. <laughs> and like literally all he did was like, you know, lie to the little brother or something. Yeah, you know? exactly. And like You fucked with my whole family. I'm going to yeah. shove this key <laughs> up your ass. <laughs> it's like, the only appropriate method yeah. of revenge. It's an eye for an eye. It's like a like a a twelve year old cussing and using insults like that is like the equivalent of a person who doesn't speak English as a first language trying to cuss at yeah. somebody, you know, like, hey man, fuck your ass, fuck you know. Fuck your ass. Your ass, fuck your ass. <laughs> fuck your bitch ass, you know, like I don't know. I, I feel like they're this kind of in that same text like you you feel something and you want to express it but you don't really know how to put it into the right context yeah. yet I, that that's a 12 year old you know so i i i don't know i guess i kind of took that key up your ass thing kind of with a grain of salt um, <laughs> 12 year old rage yeah doesn't really make sense i understand what you mean though i don't understand you mess with my little brother do tell me they couldn't put the key in the lock there were no lockers max yeah. and your map was crap so there's only one place this thing's gonna fit and it ain't Mrs. Duke's a black closet. I want to take a quick second to talk about something that comes up in a lot of movies. And uh, this is kind of like slowly becoming my dream role in a movie. Whenever there's like little kids bullying another little kid, there's like some guy, some like worker, like with a cigarette in his mouth. like, And he's like, hey, what are you kids doing over there? I want to be that guy in a movie. <laughs> If anyone listens to this and is a filmmaker of some kind and you need a guy to be the, hey, what are you kids doing over there guy? Like, I really want to be that. I've been working on it. You know, I think that would be the perfect role for me in a movie. I just love that guy that's always like, hey, what are you kids doing over there? While you're like sweeping up the sidewalk <laughs> yeah. in front of a shop. Yeah. Yeah. They get scared and run like he's a cop or something asking <laughs> what they're doing while they're about to jump this kid. It's just like, yeah, two workers in the alley or something. But Pappy, maybe you can take us through what happens next. The uh, the bullies they chase down Max, and it it leads them to uh, one of the higher stories of, a, of an abandoned building, right? Mm-hmm. So, like Jonathan said, for some reason, Max decides to run to the only place where he won't have a possible escape. <laughs> the floor gives out, and Max somehow survives his fall and doesn't get like tetanus from all of the nails that he's fallen on. What is he like? Is he like four four floors or six floors up or something? I think it's at least four. six or four. Okay. He falls for a while, it feels like. 
But when he falls, he hits the magical boombox, which our friend Shaq now inhabits. And Shaq's first appearance in this movie, it's a lot of rhyming. I don't know if you want to like get into Shaq now, but he seems to use magic to defeat the kids, which he says later that he can't show magic to anybody. I don't know. But like Shaq shows up and he's a big presence in this movie. It's like, okay, this is what we've been waiting for. Hey, how convenient in the basement that there were just thousands and thousands of like wadded up newspapers down right, there. Yeah. <laughs> and not rusty nails or boards or, or broken or... bottles. Yeah. The, the guy the guy went through syringes. Four floors. Like you're telling me that he his tiny little like ninety pound body broke all of those floor joists. Like, come <laughs> on. The the floor must have been already kind of like dug out or or opened up for a trash chute, maybe. Yeah. How come sometimes this kid can fall down like like a large like you know several stories? Sometimes he can live and sometimes it kills him. You know what's up with that? I think there's inconsistencies with this kid falling down and the fact whether he comes out unscathed or completely dead. <laughs> but more on that later, I guess. I've got a theory about that. We'll save it all the way uh, until the end when we talk talk about the final final couple scenes but yeah that big pile of trash you know like it, it could totally like just make sure that you get no bumps or bruises or even hurt falling four stories yeah i guess it depends what kind of trash you got <laughs> there's only a couple of times where i feel like this movie pulls off what it's going for i think it is a little creepy when he's like waiting in the basement and he hears the steps coming down and he accidentally kicks the boom box i think it's like one of the few times it's working okay but like, Corey, you mentioned this is going to be a musical. And I was talking about how Shaq is, like, rhyming all of his words. Like, why is that not a rap? Like, you know what I mean? Like, in Aladdin, when Genie shows up, he has a big song. Like, I don't know. It feels like that should have been a song or something. Oh, the famous Will Smith song from Aladdin? Right, exactly. Yeah. Guy Ritchie, <laughs> Aladdin. If you want to be number one, I'm sorry, boy. That's been done. But if you got the itches... For a sack of riches, don't matter how avaricious, I'm the man that could grant your wishes. Hey, don't turn your butt on me. I'm the man of the ages. Straight out the pages. Hang on, I'm contagious, outrageous, spontaneous. You can't contain this. I am Kazam. Well, I'm really happy for you. Where do you think you're going? Make your three wishes and I'm out of your face. Back in my box and out of this place. Unless you meet your psychopathic dork in the basement, I don't think you're ordering anybody. You realize who I am? I'm your genie. In that case, I wish I was as big as you, but not so stupid. That's not a wish. That's an insult. Yeah, I mean, I, they're setting up uh, some things, right? Yeah, there's a little bit of breadcrumbs in terms of what Shaq as Kazam is going to be like, right? Rhyming, I guess, is a 
sometimes a big component of his speech, like selectively. It definitely is here when we first see him. And then later on, it kind of immediately rises him to superstar fame within this little pocket of New York. Alex, I wanted to toss to you, though. What do you think about Shaq as Kazam? Well, I mean, he, he does the job. He does the justice. He's kind of supposed to be annoying with his rhymes and so much so that Mac even has to tell him later, stop rhyming. It's like messing with my head. And uh, he does a good job. I mean, he's supposed to be a goofy role. It's totally a goofy role. I don't know if he's a better genie than, you know, let's say Robin Williams, but I, I think he's a close second. You know, Al, I'm getting really... I don't think you're him. Tonight, the part of Al will be played by a tall, dark, and sinister, ugly man. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, other genies, and I, I can't really think of any, but I feel like the genie and the lamp thing came up a few times in the 90s, you know? I think there was, like, a Disney Channel original movie related to this same concept. I don't know. It was it was a thing that happened for a little while. He's kind of, like, in between jack cool nice guy and then the robin williams genie right because there's a couple of moments where his magic is kind of manic like like when he's in the shower or something like that feels like something that the robin williams genie would do yeah i i think like that whole section of the movie is like kind of like what i remember when i think of kazam like that area of like him showering and him like playing goofy with max a little bit later on I think that's like meant to encapsulate like their relationship. I think that also represents a lot more of Shaq's just natural personality, yeah. like him just being a fun guy and, and enjoying the time on the set rather than being forced to conform to a very specific role that he needed to fulfill he was just kind of like here here's your props kind of like let's see what you can do have some fun you know what would you do in this situation he'd be like well i'd, I'd use my i'd use my magic powers and, you know, tie, tie shoelaces way to the nut. this is the only and time charles barkley shows up like well, i can't understand what you're saying Shaq. <laughs> this is the only time in the existence of Shaq's career that like you can actually understand the words that he's saying yeah <laughs> well like you know as he's gotten older i think he's and plus if, if you're doing like sports commentary i don't think you necessarily have to bring the a-game charisma necessarily right so when he's talking about like a basketball game is he's, he's just more yeah so like they they did this they did this he's more there just to talk shit to chuck than he is yeah. to talk about the game <laughs> That's calling it. chuck a fat piece of shit yeah. every other week <laughs> That's why I say I need to see the severity of the crime. Oh, I would like to see Come some type on, of... Man. Yes, I need to see... Yeah, Come on, I need to see documents of... Yeah, 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 documents of... You don't know the difference between a cat scan and cat food. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, man. The fat ass always talking about food. <laughs> okay. Come on, man. Right. She's talking about food. We're going to bounce around a little bit because th there's a few things that happen in terms of story, but w one of the big moments is when... 
Kazam reveals his true power to Max. Because at first he can't really do it. He's a little rusty. Max asks for some fancy car that I'm sure Jonathan remembers. Yeah, it's a Jaguar Black XKE. Is that a good one? Uh, I'm not a Jaguar kind of guy, okay. but sure. <laughs> I mean, I, I, as a kid, that probably sounded really impressive. It did, actually. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm still impressed by that. I'm like, oh, I don't know what that is, but it's probably something really badass. <laughs> yeah. Make a wish, please. Okay. All right, okay. Give me a car. Black Jaguar XKE. Yes! <laughs> Jaguar Black? XKE. Jaguar Black? Better stand back. I am Kazam! <laughs> Jaguar Black, right? Yeah. Okay. Kazam! Okay, well, you just stay here. I I'm gonna go now. But he can't do that at the time it was asked. So, you know, he kind of like stalks Max. He follows him around. He's not very sneaky, obviously. A man his size. But they do eventually make their way to Max's, you know, Legion of Doom style Foot Clan lair with like the bike ramps and stuff. Jonathan, this is where like his true powers are revealed and Max finally gets it. Like it clicks with him. Like this guy is a genie. Yeah. So we're, we're definitely skipping over some major plot points right here. But this scene, it, it's, it is really kind of cool because from... A kid's perspective and and i think this movie came out when we were what like 10 yeah so we're like oh man max is a couple years older than us look at what he's got he's got this really cool hideout he's all to himself he's got this like this throne with lights on it and and a bike track and there's just so much coolness and like i want that factor <laughs> yeah like I want to be that kid. Like I remember watching this movie the very first time and it was just like mind blowing that this kid had somewhere to go that was all by himself and nobody was fucking with him and he could just do whatever he wanted. He didn't have parents following him around. I mean, shitty parents now <laughs> go back and think about it. Well, shitty one parent, I guess, but like, but now I get it as an adult, you know, she was working two jobs to make ends meet as a right. single parent. Like she couldn't watch him. She had to just trust that he was going to live. Yeah. But you're right about like the, the child fantasy element, right? Like a lot of these movies you're meant to like, look at that and be like, I want that. I want to be able to do that. You know, I want what he has. And I think that's especially true with this set. And that's probably, you know, why it was made the way it was. How come you didn't tell him who you were? What do you care? Who says I did? Why don't you just leave me alone? Is that a wish? Is that what you care about? Look, little fart. You called me into this mess of a world. I didn't call anybody, all right? You popped the box, so make a wish. Wish for a castle, faster chariot. I don't care what you do. I got to obey the rules. I can't show my match to anybody but you, and I can't get back into my box until you make your three wishes. Now deal with it. You a dick! Hey! <laughs> My turn. He gets the stupidest wish fulfilled here, too. The candy slash pizza slash burrito rain. Like that's like ultimate wish fulfillment, right? For like a kid. 
Yeah, what a what a waste, man. What a waste. Dude, it's nothing but wasted wishes. They're all wastes. <laughs> he he could have <laughs> Yeah, all three of them were yeah. waste. Yeah, seriously. But like this one, he, he could have fed like, I don't know, half of of Brooklyn homeless population <laughs> with this uh what was in this warehouse. Come on, boy. You're not gonna die. Open your eyes. Don't ask why. Just give it a try. Then, then, then I wish I had junk food from here to the sky. Why not? Higher than high? Then you got junk food from here to the sky. I am Kazam! That's it? A happy meal? I mean, it just started like hamburgers and bean and cheese burritos and uh, conveniently all the burritos every time they fell would bust wide open. Like somebody doesn't know how to wrap burritos for sure. <laughs> You're saying yours that you wrap them so well, if they fall from the sky, they stay intact. Uh, probably better than those. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This man can wrap a burrito. Yeah. Alex, what do you think about the first wish? Well, I mean, um, the first wish, obviously pretty lame because he didn't think it was a real wish. But this is where all the hobos would come in afterwards. You notice they never go back. You know, there's a bunch of hobos who definitely discovered this place with pizzas to the sky. Oh, yeah. It becomes overrun. You know, and the junk food all over the place. Yeah. So everything got wasted. You know, like that was one of the things that sucked about it. He didn't bring any home or any with him. And yeah, b big waste of a first wish. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, one of the other things, too, is right before the wish actually was granted, Max still kind of didn't believe that Kazam was the genie. And he kind of started like, I don't know, beefing with him a little bit, you know, and then they ended up he tried to like run over this seven foot two, 300 pound guy with his little bike. Like, really, like, Kazam could have just like uh, kick him over, yeah. you know, and like He'd fall over like Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> and so rather than go along with this this feud because ultimately Kazam just wants to grant three wishes and split he gets on a bike and they start racing each other around Max's little hideout and it gets to a point where Kazam is about to run into a wall Max finally gets concerned for him and then the bike just starts doing this whole transformation thing and you can you can really see Kazam's powers become revealed at that point and in, and Max finally believes that he's actually what he says he is. And that yeah. was kind of a really cool reveal moment. Like the the bike starts turning gold, it's all fancy. You got this guy riding up the wall and in, into the ceiling while he's rapping, of course. <laughs> and and as a kid like I just remember that being such a cool scene. It was such a big like just eye-opener part of that fantasy story. It was the moment kind of you were all waiting for as kids watching this movie. And I know me and you, Jonathan, watched this movie a lot. And a lot of kids our age did. Pappy, 
I, you're a little bit younger. Did this fall in your radar mm-hmm. when you were a kid? I'm quite a bit younger than both of you, <laughs> <Wow>. actually. <laughs> I um, see how it is. <laughs> uh, no, I, you know, to be honest, I think this is the first time that I watched Kazam. Oh my god! All the way through, Shaq would be so angry with you. I had seen parts of it here and there. Like I said, the part where he's showering was in the trailer, so that was burning in my brain. But no, this was not really on my radar. I found a video of Shaq talking about Kazam, and he really does not take kindly to the criticisms of this movie. Mm. This is a direct quote. If you watch Kazam as an adult, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> well, He was basically saying that, like, this movie is for children. You have no place giving your adult perspective critique. Now, Pappy, that's just an argument that I absolutely hate, but w- what do you think about that? I mean, as an adult, I thought seeing Shaq get on that little bicycle was pretty funny. I liked seeing that quite a bit. No, it's so stupid. You know what I mean? Because, like, but that that's to say that, like, no movie for children does work for an adult. And that's just not the case, right? There's so many good, like, Pixar movies or movies for the whole family that someone can get something out of. Like, I guess if you want to make a movie purely for babies, you can do that. But that doesn't mean I'm going to not shit on it. <laughs> it's bad. Hey, I would just like to say, Shaq, or your publicists, or... Anybody, you know, PR managers that are out there for Shaq, we would love to have you on our podcast (laughs) to talk about your perspective on this. And uh, I know you do tons of random things and are involved with other people's podcasts and events and things all over the country. Please join us. We would love to talk to you about this movie. Shaq is not going to be on Big Dumb Movie. (laughs) But if he is, we're going to review Steel. You ever see Steel? That's the Shaq superhero movie where he plays the DC character Steel. <laughs> no? Oh, man. It's worse than this movie. <laughs> can, can we just talk to him? <laughs> hey, man. Shaq, we still love you. <laughs> yeah, you're cool. <laughs> we appreciate everything you did for the Lakers. Truly. <laughs> Send us some pizza. How long do I have to call with the wishes? Now would be highly advisable. Come on, let's go. But I can't wait, can I? So, until I make those last two wishes, I own you, don't I? Technically. Welcome to my life. And here's a tip. What's the point of shoes? So their relationship becomes a little bit different at this point, Pappy. Because at Mm -hmm. first, Max didn't want him around. He thought he was just a random guy that was kind of stalking a kid. And I think Max saw how that might be a weird thing, right? Mm -hmm. But once Max realizes he's a slave owner, that's when he gets really excited, (laughs) right, Pap? So I own you. Just for context, these are the words and terminology that they used in this movie. Yes, true. And how they had a black man as a genie slave and referred to him as that several times throughout this movie. He is doesn't owned, hold up today. He's owned by Max, yes. Yeah. yeah. A young 12-year-old white kid owning a massive mandate. I watched this on Disney+. Plus. I was pretty surprised. The only like 
you know, they put those warnings up for kids on the old stuff of Disney yeah. Plus. The, the only thing they called out was tobacco use. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I thought we got into a little bit of like Middle Eastern stereotypes. Yeah, it's like it's that smoking guy that's like, hey, what are you kids doing over there? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. There was the guy who put the cigarette out in his hand. Yeah, what the fuck was he doing? <laughs> Another guy Dude, with bad what? teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the relationship though, Corey, it kind of mimics the Aladdin Disney movie, right? Where at first Aladdin's skeptical, and that one he tricks Genie. And this one, the Genie kind of tricks him into giving him a shitty first wish just to get it done. Then at this point, they become a little bit closer and i think this is where they go to the club for the first time right because he's hunting down his dad and yeah. we to see shack actually well, max reveals that like he you know he tries to wish for his mom and dad to get back together and that's where kazam reveals that he can't do ethereal love, ethereal mm-hmm. things <laughs> it's just everything's material not ethereal yeah also like kind of an aladdin thing yeah. yeah, like you can't not compare this to Aladdin, but think about an Aladdin where you have Robin Williams doing all those like crazy voices, like I can't bring back the dead and all this stuff. And here's just Shaq, like, oh, I can't do ethereal. <laughs> oh, I can't do ethereal, okay. kid. <laughs> hey. Come to Papa John's. Shut up, Chuck. I've never done ethereal. You're gonna grant me any three wishes I want, right? Uh, almost. There are a few uh, provisos, a, a couple of quid pro quos. Like, uh, rule number one. I can't kill anybody. Yeah, so don't ask. Oh, rule number two. I can't make anybody fall in love with anybody else. Oh, you little punum there. Rule number three. I can't bring people back from the dead. It's not a pretty picture. I don't like doing it. Other than that, you got it. Oh. I just wish my mom and dad would fall back in love. Love? Kid, I told you, Kazam don't do ethereal. Ethereal. Yeah, you know, love, hope, talking to God, raising the dead. Ethereal. But I am Mr. Material, and my stuff ain't too shabby. Three-story mansion, a sack of gold, a whole land of milk and honey, if that's still in. One thing definitely, though, is that they have a pretty wide vocabulary within the genie's role throughout this movie. I think just to kind of accentuate, one, his... 5,000 years of existence or however the fuck old he is. You know, he's picked up a few words along the way, mm-hmm. but it, it really expands what he can rhyme with and, and what he can speak to, which is kind of cool because Shaq doesn't know any of those words he said. <laughs> <laughs> he insults him in a, some other language, maybe Nubian, and he tells Max's dad that he hopes he gets crabs <laughs> or yeah. something like that. <laughs> Yeah, something like he said that like uh, he hopes that he gets bit by a thousand fleas of from a camel's nutsack or some shit. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. I don't know if this is like the the plot or the subplot, but you know, Max is trying to reconnect with his biological father, and he finds out where his father is and what he does. Uh, through looking at some divorce papers. So he makes his way to like this, I don't know, what I assume is like a warehouse music studio slash nightclub kind of environment. Is that right, Jonathan? Yeah, that's what it seems like. It, it's kind of got a weird like setting, you know, because it seems like it's in the middle of two other buildings that are not really open for business or this specific one has been remodeled and made very fashionable and brand new. 
it looks like a restaurant club recording studio and it's got other intentions besides just hosting as a nightclub yeah and and max does kind of like reconnect with his dad and his dad's like at first happy to see him but he's kind of like a sleazeball right so he like that that dynamic between the two of them kind of changes as things go on and depending on the dad's mood yeah well the dad hadn't seen him in 10 years so didn't even recognize who it was you know didn't even know that it was his own kid yeah i it's kind of like far-fetched you know like even if I didn't see my kid for 10 years and just randomly this kid that should be my kid's age shows up and that's the name that my kid is, I'm kind of going to be like, oh, wait a minute. What? Like, let me inquire upon this a little bit. Not like, hey, get the fuck out of here. Like, this isn't an amusement park. Yeah. Especially when the dad was like looking for him, you know, I mean, you get, you find out later. I mean, the mom says that he came back a few months ago. She just didn't tell Max about it. Exactly. While we're talking about the dad, I was going to ask you guys, since you're all significantly older than I am, what's the what what's what's the con here? Like, I know it's like there's this cassette tape and it's a bootleg, a bootleg of what? What? I'll I'll tell you right now. First off, I did not understand this subplot at all as a kid, like at all. But I get it now. Jonathan, maybe you can take it over, though. Yeah, so what they were doing is they were having artists come in and perform at the club. And then rather than distribute the recordings of the live performances through the copyrighted studios, they were mass producing bootlegs and selling them for cash on the streets. Oh, (laughs) And if you guys have ever been to any big city, which I know you guys live around LA, I'm sure you've been sold a bootleg. Well, tried to have someone sell you a bootleg uh, CD. And it happens everywhere in Las Vegas now and everywhere in San Diego (laughs) when I was there. Can't go to the mall without someone trying to pawn off a CD to you. I used to know guys that that made a living off of selling bootleg CDs and DVDs, you know, like, I mean, and they were (laughs) they were balling, dude, like in high school time. Like a friend of mine was making CDs for five bucks a CD and you would just give him a list of 10 songs and that's what you would get for five bucks. And he would come back and you could either have the custom CD or you could have like whatever was out there, you know, oh, Nelly came out with a new album. All right, five bucks. Here you go. And this kid was making like thousands of dollars a month. Damn. We know those guys saw hackers is what it was, you know, when he was peddling his uh, his tapes out there. And that's where everyone got the idea from. Yeah. I want to get a little bit into Shaq's rapping because it is a, a pretty large component of this movie. Alex, maybe you can help me out with this because he's kind of like just pointed out at a nightclub concert environment by Spinderella. I think they say is the name. Yep. Who just like tosses him a mic and is like, start rapping you. <laughs> and he has no idea what he's going to do. And uh, and Max kind of like pushes him, you know, and then man, he hits him with that one line uh, in your coffee. I'm the cream. And it was like mm. everyone just started going wild. <laughs> and then, of course, he hits him with the boom box, you know, and that was one thing that was a little weird because one of his rules was he couldn't reveal his magic to anybody except Max. I mean, that was a pretty magical moment. Yeah, the rules are basically meaningless for the most part in this movie. They say they can't do things explicitly and then just do them later. So whatever, it doesn't really matter. 
cutie over there from another planet. Don't just stare, come over here and let me see you jiggy jiggy jam it. Buddy, it's like trying to hide a tanker behind a sailboat. What if they don't like me? They really don't like you. The question is, what are you gonna do? Get set for my tete-a-tete-tete. -tete. Got, so let me see what you could get. The things I see would make you sweat. Kings and fools, they're all fish in my net. Cause I am Kazam. Ooh, I'm more than I seem. You all are looking at your dream. In your coffee, I'm the cream. <laughs> One wish I get extreme. Uh, we see Malik, who is 100% uh, set up to be the villain based on the way he looks and talks it's kind of sad actually you know like they make this dude like just like look like such a scum fuck right jonathan well yeah but i mean he is he's the money and the mastermind behind the whole bootleg project i just you know i feel like the casting sheet is like we need like a, a greasy gross looking like <laughs> slob to be the villain uh, he he fits it Fits the bill. Yeah. <gasps> Mr. Malik, what a club. What a place. I knew it was going to be hot. I always deliver more than I promise. <gasps> so do I. I got lots of clients. Yes! but he also at this point like he recognizes that there's something different about Kazam that scene where the boombox starts shooting sparks out of it they're not really sparks and one lands on Malik's table and he tries to cover it up but, and grab it but he notices that it's it's not a spark it's it's something else and and I don't know maybe it's his urban legend from whatever he originally was from that he's picking up these hints that there's something different about Kazam he concludes that Kazam is a genie pretty quickly. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. he comes to that conclusion in a in a way that I don't think I would have been able to. Must be something with like the Nubian culture, you know, because I mean they're they're both obviously fans of Nubian goat eyes. So maybe amongst the Nubian world there's, you know, a whole bunch of genies or, you know, the folklore about the genies, who knows. Yeah, I found that scene like really kind of disturbing where he starts choking down all the goat eyes and he's just like laughing <laughs> and he's just like shoving these eyeballs in his face. Like it's just really weird. Like it was very odd and I, I wasn't sure like how it actually fit into that whole he's so, scene. Such a fucking cartoon character, Malik, you know? Like then yeah. and that's part of what it is. He's just like maniacally eating Nubian goat eyes. Like what the <laughs> fuck is this? <laughs> Please, my favorite. Nubian goat eyes? The food of kings. I haven't had these in 3,000. 
days. You have old-fashioned taste. I don't get out much. That we can change. <laughs> Fun fact, you know, Shaq came out with his first recorded rap album in 1996. How is it? I've always wondered. It's clearly not that great because it, it uh, didn't do very well. Well, I believe he made an appearance on the on Aaron Carter's How I Beat Shaq, right? Yeah. So mm. he is so, no stranger to the music industry. He did have two really, really popular producers, DJ Quick, which... Maybe you've ever heard of? Yeah, Corey? for sure. Yeah. Okay, and then another one. He's a New York producer called Mob Deep. Yeah. The rapping in this movie is pretty bad. It's pretty cringe, I think. It peaked at, at um, position 82 on the Billboard 200 <laughs> in 96. <laughs> I like the backup singers, though. I like they have like one little riff in there that's like pretty good that I like, but Shaq is not a good rapper. No. I don't think so. It's pretty bad. <laughs> it's a gimmicky show. Like it, it, it would be fun. Like if you were there and like Shaq just randomly came up onto stage and started DJing and rapping. Like that would be a fun gimmick. Like oh, dude, I was there at this club in Vegas last night and I saw Shaq. I have to know thing. it was Shaq though. So that's part of it, you know. Like if it was a guy that I had never seen before, yeah. I would be like, this dude is not very good. <laughs> What's he doing on stage? But he's got a. <laughs> A boombox that shoots sparks, though, Corey. <laughs> I wouldn't mind the pyrotechnics, you know? I'd be like Malik. I'd try to catch one with my fork, I'm sure. But uh, the rapping itself, not great. And I, I do want to talk about the rapping a little bit more because he does, like, a a musical number with Max. Right, Alex? Oh, yeah. That's uh, probably the best part of the movie. That's where, as a kid, you were just super hyped. You know, we were hearing this random rap and... and uh, Max, you know, he's kind of pushing, pushing Shaq for the first time. Like, what are you going to rap about? You know, like, how are you going to tell your story? And uh, Shaq's like, what do you know about rapping? And then Max spits that corny line. My name is Max. Something hop on my BMX and make some tracks. It's like, that's whack. That's horrible. I think that was a genuine reaction he had, too. Like, that was like (laughs) probably Shaq's best acting in the whole movie is when he's like telling Max how bad he is at rapping. (laughs) And what do you know about rapping? I know a few things. Yeah, right. My name is Max, so get these facts. I'm on my heavy BMX and I make some tracks. That's whack. That's horrible. Oh my God, that's awful. You do better. Oh yeah, and then, you know, the music kicks in, they all start getting into it, and then we get the classic, uh, you know, the chorus line, we ain't men, we genie. My name is Kazam, I got the whole plan. So listen to the man, cause I'm the Sultan of Sand. Is that it? Is that the whole deal? You wanna be a hit? You better get real. I did have this friend in the thousand BC. We discover a bevy of bathing beauties. Her bird looks to me and I says to he, why don't we jump in that old Euphrates? So that's the whole story. 
That's all you gotta tell? You got to listen to my rap from bell to bell. Those babies had rabies, and we was in Hades because we moved with the harem of the Prince of Octavia. So it's you and her in a thousand BC. Buried to our necks and sand like a sea. By assaulting with the sword and a lock and a key. Ooh, they're in deep. Will they ever get free? So it's me and her bird in a thousand BC. Praying to the gods. And what do you see? A man with the halo and a nasty decree. I'll save your butt, but you gonna serve me. I nod to her birth, he nods to me. And when the magic is over, we ain't men, we genie. Bob your head, Max. We were buried to our nasty So do you think that song still holds up for you, Alex? <laughs> Oh yeah, I still get excited when it comes on. It's <laughs> over this past week. I've watched the movie a couple times, and uh, I'm forcing my five year old son to watch it. And um, just randomly, he'll be like singing it. We man, we genie, and, and he was like so um, annoyed with me, like coming up to him and saying we man, and waiting for him to say we genie. <laughs> Yesterday he was like, I know, I know. <laughs> Leave me alone, Dad. <laughs> I don't get where we get this fucking we part from, you know what I mean? Like, like, bro, like, you call yourself a slave owner now. Like it, the powers don't belong to you. Like you're not, this is, there's no we in this business, man. First he owned him. Then he appropriated his culture. Yeah. Typical. Now he's dressing like him. <laughs> Has the little genie outfit. So my whole thing with the music and the rapping. So I guess like the three guys who wrote it, Paul, Michael Glasser, Christian Ford, Roger Soffer, whatever. Like their initial like vision was for it to be like way more like intricate, but they ran into a bunch of problems like trying to get words that would like fit with Shaq's flow, if if we want to call it that. Um, and so they had to like do a bunch of rewrites to it, and it feels like '90s hip hop written by like white people who have no connection to hip hop, right? Like when your HR department does a rap to like yes. tell you not to sexually harass people, like that's the yeah. vibe of this. <laughs> what a great example. Or like, you know, when you're at school, when you back when we were kids, you know, you're in class and like they play a video and it's meant to be like talking about like cells and like how like different parts of the cell interact with each other. But like one of the people like will describe it as like a rap and then like they'll like, you know, cross their arms, like they'll put their cross their arms very deeply at the end of it. Like it's, it's very like white people rap, which is like not real rap. It's like kind of more corny and like less, I think you're right. Like the, the writers like are coming through in this. It's not, it's not legit. Have you ever seen the video? Jesus Christ is my N word. It's like an old white pastor and his wife. Oh, and they're yes. on YouTube oh, yeah, singing yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. That's the level of like rap that, <laughs> is taking place in this movie. Yes, you know? you're right. It's like... <laughs> it's so bad. It's like, I'm going to sing the hip hops, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, but like, what like a dumb way to go about it. You know what I mean? Because Shaq considers himself a musician. Like, just be like, hey, Shaq, work with one of your producer friends and write a song for the movie. Like, the Safdie brothers didn't go to the weekend, Corey, and be like, hey, sing this song in Uncut Gems that we wrote for you. you right. I mean? it's, it's stupid. Yeah. 
Shaq wasn't really the best when it came to rapping, though. I like I don't know how much better he would have made it because I mean his real most I mean his most notorious rap. I mean it was really bad, but it was the one after Kobe lost the uh, the the championship to the Celtics, and uh, it was the whole Kobe has my ass taste. Like it was a horrible rap, and he, <laughs> it, it was so bad that the that the sheriffs kicked it. He couldn't even be a part of the sheriff's uh, department anymore. He got kicked out. It was a Kobe Bryant diss track. He was in a club like djing or whatever and then someone gives him a mic and then he starts rapping and then it turns into like a diss track on kobe yeah better than me that's like kareem saying it's to himself he better than me now stop think about that it ain't about that it's about big aka big shack now that's the difference between first and last play kobe tell me how my ass tastes okay kobe tell me how my ass tastes Okay, everybody, Kobe, tell me how my ass tastes. I'm a horse. Kobe ratted me out. That's why I'm getting divorced. He said Shaq gave a bitch a meal. I don't do that because my name should kill. I love him. I don't leave him. I got a bisectomy. Now I can't breed him. Kobe, how my ass tastes. Everybody. Kobe, how my ass tastes. Wow. So the setup is very similar to Kazam in nature. He's in Very a club. Similar. Someone hands him a mic, except in real life, he immediately goes to Kobe. Oh, yeah. You can find it on YouTube still. Literally just Shaq, Shaq, Kobe, how's my ass taste? And it'll be the first thing that pops up. So provided a quick Google search here. There's a guy named Roger Soffer. He apparently says that. The rap lyrics actually are one of the things I'm actually proud of, hmm. even though it's not fully in the movie as we wrote it. Right. Yeah. That's what I was saying. It's like they had it more complex and they had to, like, like I said, they had 10 weeks to make this movie. So it's not like they had a lot of time to think about what they were doing. It's just what, what works. Okay. Shoot it. Let's go. They said it was more like a, they were trying to write it more of like a Broadway style so that you got a musical performance out of it rather than holding it truer to the genre of rap and hip hop music. That's asking a lot of Shaq to do like <laughs> Hamilton, basically. Like you want yeah, him to. Right. <laughs> yeah, they say he can't go too slow, but he can't go too fast either. <laughs> They had to find a good pace for him. (laughs) (laughs) So, Alex, there's a problem with a tape, a bootleg tape, a cassette tape, I guess, that is worth a million dollars, isn't there? Maybe you can kind of catch us up to speed with the story here. Yeah, and as a kid, we really don't understand how this tape is so valuable, but as adults, then we find out, you know, it's pretty much an illegal recording. The artists don't know anything about it, you know, and they're they're just bootlegging it. And that that's really the whole backstory to this club, at least what we find out about how it's funded. And so Max, he sees his dad getting into a fight with some random guy, and we don't even know what's going on. And Yeah, he sees his dad tune up some guy, right? Yeah, he's like pushing him, you know, he's about to knock him out, but Max is there watching him and his dad like, you know, has a conscience for once, I guess, and doesn't want to do it in front of him. So as his dad gains a conscience, <laughs> he grabs Max and throws him out the back door of the club. <laughs> Pretty much says, hit the bricks, kid. I got to handle this. <laughs> and and Max, he uh, he's just pissed and he runs in, you know, to that crew, the, the guys who are punking him. And 
I guess because they beat his ass a little bit earlier, now they're being a little bit cool with him, and now they're just like, you know, busting his balls. They're like, oh, what'd you find this in the trash? And, you know, Max being the, the liar that he is, like, oh, man, you know, I was up in, I was everywhere. I could go everywhere. I had the VIP passes. You know, I got pulled, you know, just making himself sound like a badass. I got kicked out the club, you know, as a 12-year-old kid. And he's, uh, then they're all like, ah, oh, sure, sure, sure. And then for whatever reason, he says, I'm so hooked up in there. I'm so connected. I can go in there and get the tape from tonight's show and put it in your hand. No idea why the hell he would say that because uh, of course these guys took him seriously. You mean that homie? And then instead of just walking up and, you know, getting the tape and putting it in their hand, now it's the heist. They're back in heist mode. <laughs> <laughs> That's their default state, heist mode. <laughs> it's the state they want to live in. And yeah. so um, Max, like, pretty much shows them where the back door is. Max doesn't even do anything. They, it's that, I mean, I guess the nerdy guy, I don't even know how to uh, describe him, but uh, the white guy who Max's dad was, uh, you know, talking shit to and about to knock out. And they go up, they pretty much knock him down, grab the tape and run off. Yeah, they got to, like, beat one guy's ass and just, like, take the tape off his person, right, when he's alone. A million-dollar tape, and only one person is there around the situation. I don't understand that. It's not very well thought through. I mean, Max is a child, but, like, why not just get one of the bootlegs? I'm sure your dad will give you a copy for free once it's, you know, being sold on the street or whatever black market mechanism that they're utilizing. I don't know, like, Max to say, like, I'm going to take this original tape and just give it to you guys just because, like, without coercion or anything, right? He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to give this to you guys for no reason whatsoever. Like, I think that kind of exemplifies one of the problems with this movie is, like, the story behind this movie. Like, obviously, there's a kid, and he gets a genie, and the genie is Shaq. He's larger than life. He raps, whatever. He's got a gimmick. Who cares? But the story itself, like, as it starts to unfold is just wrong. This is not the right story to tell <laughs> with these people. I mean, Pappy, what, what do you think? It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And all of that, like I said, is like trying to loosely connect to this theme of like coming to terms and even accepting and loving a blended family. And none of this is about that. Like I said, it's confusing with, with all these. I had no idea what the, the con even was before you guys explained it to me. So. Well, you have to have seen Kazam 12 times in your life, at least. And clearly we have. I've only watched it twice for this podcast. But yeah, it's still, I don't know. And like, there, I would say, though, Corey, like after the heist, there's another part of this movie that I actually really, really like. It's one shot, but it's where Max is like hiding underneath that concrete overhang thing, you know? And the guy's footsteps come up to the top of it. It gives me... Um, Fellowship of the Ring vibes when the hobbits are hiding in that little hole and uh, uh, Nazgul comes over him. I actually really like the way it's lit. Yeah, he's it's like under a like a loading dock or something. But yeah, I know what you mean. And the guy's like peering over looking for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it it definitely draws a connection to Lord of the Rings, which came out many years after this. But I don't know. In 1996, I don't know if it would do no. much for you. You know. Well, I'm like watching it. I'm like that. That's how little. Like craftsmanship there is in this movie, right? I see this one shot, I'm like, oh, I'm like surprised. It's like, oh, this is kind of a cool shot. Like, I hadn't thought that for the last 90 minutes I've been watching this at all. Not once. Yeah. There could have been like something longer lasting, I think, if the story was reworked completely in this movie with the, the original premise intact. I don't know. Like Space Jam, which is a piece of shit, is very fondly remembered by people. Right. And I think it's because like that story itself, like works okay well enough. You know, 
I don't like it, and that's a totally different story, but a lot of people do fondly remember it. Kazam, I don't think people remember it as fondly in terms of like, oh, I remember the story of Kazam. It's like he finds a genie, and then he reconnects with his dad, and then they make a bootleg tape, but it gets stolen. So he has to find a way to get the tape back. Like, I don't think people remember those details like at all. They just remember that it was a movie that Shaq was in. <laughs> exactly. No, they remember it's a movie that Sinbad was in. They don't even remember <laughs> this movie existed. Well, fuck them especially, you know? <laughs> this takes us to our second wish, Jonathan. We have a genie here who is a slave to Max, after all. And Max gets three wishes. He makes great use of his second wish, wouldn't you say? Yeah, so Max goes back... And finds his dad getting his ass beat by Malik and his goons because the tape is gone. Somewhere in all of this, the producer or the recorder or whatever you want to call the guy decided that he was going to quit. He had a little, you know, he had a conscience. He didn't want to partake in copyright infringement and things of that nature so okay this dude takes a hard stance against piracy yeah like more so than anyone i've ever met in my life like this guy is like absolutely not (laughs) you wouldn't download a car would you (laughs) the last one of these cases with a million dollars yeah because piracy is a felony nick i don't want to be involved Four years later, kids were ripping songs off of Kazaa and LimeWire <laughs> like nobody's business. And this guy just didn't want to make a bootleg of one tape. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, Kazaa? Kazam. Oh, shit. What the fuck? Anyway, go on. I had Kazam. <laughs> Downloaded off Kazam. <laughs> I had Shazaa. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. And then when the tape disappears... Because Max gave it to his little buddies. Nick is ultimately responsible for this tape. So he promises that he's going to get it back by midnight. I think Max really understands the degree of him fucking up and getting rid of the tape to the other little little Puerto Rican poppies. (laughs) (laughs) So he wishes for the tape. Yeah, so I guess that makes a second one, right? Yeah, and Kazam's out on a date with that girl, Asia, at the time. Yeah, the the most meaningless subplot in the whole movie. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think the sub-sub of that was so that Malik could try to get some sort of concrete evidence that Kazam is a genie. (laughs) He told her to find his secrets. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't like it at all. (laughs) No, it's it's super, super unnecessary. Find out if this man is magic. Yeah, super unnecessary. With your vagina. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) the devil's magic right there. (laughs) So anyways, somehow between, with, with Kazam's magic powers, Max shows up in his glass of water and then ends up on the, table at the restaurant and it was just it's such a just a weird like unnecessary situation like if kazam can just hear max talking why didn't he just grant the wish real quick you know like, like why did he have to, yeah like why didn't he have why did he have to bring him <laughs> through space and time <laughs> 
through a fucking Create a water wormhole. glass. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. He could just do it remotely. But like, it's funny, though, because like that effect, which you, you don't seem to like very much, that and some of the things that happened earlier with like the flying French toast yeah. and Shaq like, cleaning out his ears with like the magic towel and taking a shower <laughs> in Max's room, those are some of the things that I mostly remember from this movie i think they're heavily featured in the trailers like you know his kind of like magic gags but he doesn't do yeah. a lot of them but they need some of them right they need to like they can't just have him be a guy all the time yeah i i agree 100 percent. i i just i didn't find that at this point it was a relevant trick you know i, I think they could have done that scene a little bit different i don't think they needed to to just have this big dramatic scene where Max comes out of a water glass. Um, but I agree with the other things. Like I think Pappy mentioned earlier, the, um, the part where Kazam was up in the, the sky, uh, starry sky ceiling that Max built. I thought that was pretty cool. And then like, there was the part where he mentioned, Oh, like, you know, Virgo wasn't there yesterday. So are the stars changing on their own? Did, did Kazam change that? Just kind of quirky little stuff like that. It was really funny. It was entertaining. And the reason why he didn't want to, he didn't want him to waste his wishes because Kazam was actually liking his life at that point because he was like he took takes him back to the uh, the recording studio or whatever and he doesn't want him to make his wish or well he doesn't want him to waste his wish is what he said and max is like why don't you want to make my wish all you were trying to do is get me to make my three wishes but i think kazam's actually liking his life yeah mm-hmm. he, he he kind of like rises to become the hottest rapper in new york like on, on like a almost overnight basis right like the public calls him, I think, Class K. Are they referring to him when they say that? Yeah, yeah, that, that's his rap name. And like he's he's got like shows, like he's doing live performances, and there's like a band like all ready to go. Like the backup singers know what they're doing. Yeah, he's really trying to hook up with Asia. Like, he is. Dude, he's been stuck in a lamp for three thousand years. <laughs> like he's trying to get some action. It's time. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's ready. Yeah. He's a little backed up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did you notice that his band, there's like a guy playing guitar and then there's someone playing violin. <laughs> it's just like, they got people with instruments and put them on stage. <laughs> it's fucking insane. They like threw Oingo Boingo up there with them or something. <laughs> <laughs> just you got an instrument, get on stage. You got to get this fucking shoot under wraps. Hey, go get some props from the closet. <laughs> yeah. Pick anything, whatever instrument you can find. So, Pappy, he made a second wish. He's got the tape. What does he do with it? So his dad picks him up from school, I think, right? And this is kind of a sad scene with the mom, too, like running after him and stuff. And the dad's got some really bad vibes (laughs) towards the kid at this point. And he drives him up the block, and Max reluctantly, like sadly, hands him over the tape and this is like I don't know not to bring up the other Aladdin as much but it's like the same emotional valley right that you get like when Aladdin's lying to Jasmine and he has a falling out with the genie now he's like having a falling out like with his dad and with the genie it's I don't know it's not great you know the other way to look at it is Max's dad was finally really being honest to him about who he is and how much of a piece of trash that he is you know, he's like, look, man, I'm not a good person. Like, just, you know, give me the tape and and beat it, kid. 
it's like he's not a good person, but like it's almost like in the safest possible way. Like, what is he? What is so bad about Max's dad? Well, one, he he obviously abandoned him and stuff, but like in his personal life, and I think it's that he makes bootlegs, right? <laughs> like he's he's so like well immersed in the criminal underworld of bootleg cassette tapes Ooh, <laughs> like look at this criminal you know like they can't have him be like a drug dealer or like anything worse or like you know a fucking a mobster shooting people or anything it's a kids movie after all so it's so funny that they ha- like they have to pick like the safest lane to go down hey dude metallica will tell you it's a really serious <laughs> <Right>. offense <laughs> oh that's right dude metallica are the ones that single-handedly like shut down napster, napster. Yeah. <laughs> hey did you catch um real quick did you catch uh max's best friend that was out there kind of like asking him if he was okay dude. yeah uh, that was literally what Corey looked like in like fifth grade man that was the director's son i think <laughs> really yeah dude like that that could have been like us like fifth grade sixth grade does right that there. make you max yeah unfortunately you look nothing like max though. <laughs> no no but you look like the other kid <laughs> jonathan's teeth are perfect thank you very much always were <laughs> did i look like that other kid I, you, you could have played that role for sure <laughs> And now as a man, I want to play guy in the alley saying, what are you doing over there, kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but you could have been the, the rollerblade wearing Jinko wearing jean guy. <laughs> I actually couldn't afford Jinko, so I had to get like the ripoff, like no name brand versions of wide uh, jeans. So. Yeah. I had to get the ones from Kmart. Yeah. Yeah. The ones like are that. right there on Channel Islands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <remember> <laughs> Uh, so I think Malik has kind of figured things out, right? The jig is up with Malik, the grease ball himself. And what is he trying to do here? He wants to take the genie for himself and make wishes. Now, Pappy, right? you're a grown man. This you're younger true. than us, obviously, as you've pointed out many times. But yeah. Significantly, all right. <laughs> if you got Kazam, a genie, would your wish mm. to be to have all the money in the world? What a stupid fucking wish. Like and the kids like the kid like explains like inflation to him like on the spot. <laughs> He's like, dude, did you ever take a I, I skip school all the time and I understand economics better than you, Malik. Like I don't <laughs> No, that would not be my wish. At least he came up with a good solution. He's like, and I'll still take all the money in the world and I'll give some of it back. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to... I wish for communism. Your third wish will be, quote, I want Malik to have all the money in the world. You say I wish for that, but you can't do that because if you do that, the rest of the world goes broke. Money isn't worth anything. Then I'll take all the money and give some of it back. Make my wish now. I- I can't just say, hey, Kazam, I need your help, and it'll appear right in front of me. I can't just say, Kazam. They should have just, you know, thought about what they do in real life, how they just print money, you know, like it's nothing and it's fake anyways. So shouldn't have asked for all the money in the world, just some super crazy astronomical number. Yeah, at least, like, just a large portion of money, please. Mm -hmm. Well, it's too bad, too, because, like, I I think the original Aladdin, you can kind of, like, monkey's paw right where like he wishes for all the money in the world and he gets crushed by like the weight of like a hundred billion coins falling on him or something like i don't know (laughs) hey that would be cool that would still create a lot of economic disaster but i think that would be like cool to see on screen (laughs) hey what if bezos and musk got a genie maybe that's why they're so rich 
They would ask for each other's money, yeah. There can be only one. <laughs> that yeah. explains Elon Musk's hairline. That was wish number two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's right there with LeBron's hairline re- restoration. <laughs> and even in Max's number one wish, had uh, Shaq not saved him, he would have fallen to the big old stack of pizza. Oh, was that pizza or was that pancakes? I thought it was pizza. I mean, it looked real huge. I thought it was pizza. Oh, my God. I thought that was a stack of pancakes I, this I, whole time. I'm with you on the pancakes. Oh, okay. If you've ever been to Hash House A Go Go, that is a place that uh, the pancakes are so huge, I could totally buy those being their pancakes. Yeah, that's where I got them. Alex, you're in Vegas, right? Yep, I am. Baby stacks. Oh, yeah. Need those baby stacks. Yep. That's the spot. While we're talking about this kind of shit, I fucking hate the product placement in this movie. It's so annoying. Like the like at one point Shaq's just like drinking a Pepsi with the label like facing the camera. Like even it's like very Wayne's world. Yeah. It's yeah. Like- mentioning like the Jaguar. Like I guarantee Jaguar probably like paid for that. Like they say the name of the car like four times in a row. It's so stupid. But you'd think they would show it, right? But I guess that costs money to get the actual car there. <laughs> Shaq was just like just Drop it off at my place. <laughs> you don't need to take it to the set. Just mentioning the name and model of the car probably made people go, oh, what was that? I mean, the internet was so not the place of research at the time. People probably drove to a Jaguar dealer to go see what the fuck is a Jaguar Black XKE? <laughs> yeah, that one. Oh, it's a, it's a $95,000 car? Yeah, never mind. Yeah. On the showroom, it says, as mentioned in Kazam. <laughs> yeah. That was part of the, the marketing plan. <laughs> Got that kid in the commercial and everything. Uh, things kind of become, I guess, more typical of a 90s kids movie at the end here. Like, it becomes a little bit suburban commando-y, right, Jonathan? Like, it's basically, like, action scene time, right? We're, we're deep in the third act. We have established our greasy villain, Malik, who's just pure evil. Shaq is the hero of the story. Max is now an innocent bystander or, I guess, damsel in distress of sorts. So Shaq has to show up and start punching faces. Yeah, there was a a lot that happened really quickly at this, you know, third part of the movie here. Max was super depressed. He really wishes that he had a second chance for his dad because he realizes that his dad was a piece of junk. Kazam says, look, man, there's a difference between genie and gin. I'm not a gin, so I can't do... Genies are real, Jonathan. Jin yeah. is in the land of make-believe, sir. Well. There you have it. There it is. Kind of bugs me. <laughs> it's kind of like when someone says in a movie, this isn't a movie. It's like that same mentality to that line that he gives about yeah. Jim being fantasy. It's like, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it only exists in fairy tales, and I don't believe in fairy tales. Yeah, I'm a genie after all. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> You know, we, we get some real dastardly, uh, villainy stuff from Malik. He steals the boombox. He kicks Max down an elevator shaft. Like, all these dudes are laughing and, like, joking around, having a good time that they kicked this kid down an elevator shaft. Like, bro, you guys literally just murdered a child and you're laughing. Like, these guys are fucked up, you know? Okay, so let's pause there for a sec. Max gets kicked down an elevator shaft. Now, you're absolutely right about the reactions, right? I feel like... Some of the villains might do what their boss says, but just be 
silent or somber about it. Right. In this case, it's more cartoonish, right? They're more mustache twirlers, these guys. They, yeah. They, they kick him down a shaft and laugh hysterically about it, like Dr. Evil or something. But Alex, I think you had something you wanted to bring up on the topic of Max getting murdered. Yeah, so I don't know if you guys noticed. How, did, I mean, we talked about his shitty wardrobe in the beginning. Did you notice how his wardrobe in the final day is the exact same as that very first day? The shirt's all super dirty as well, too, so it's not like it was even washed. My whole theory about this is him falling in the original building. It's kind of like a Jacob's Ladder scenario where he really almost died. And this entire four day span is really just him playing out something in his head. Mm. And then when he's actually rescued by uh, by the stepdad, you know, that's when he finally comes to. But he's wearing the exact same outfit. That was always the thing that that tripped me out because the outfit's super stupid. It's dirty. It's got like, I don't know, like shit stains down the middle of it <laughs> on his stains. chest and his stomach. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. It's like it, it, it's white and brown and off color. And it's like really weird. Nobody would put on a dirty shirt like that to wear to school. Like the fishing vest just, as well, right? And the fishing vest, like horrible uh, decision. So that's what I think is this whole four days, because obviously genies aren't real, you know. And uh, But to him, maybe in his mind, that was the way he got out of this whole crazy-ass scenario and everything that happened over the next four days. Okay. Yeah, I like that theory. I love these fan theories. I mean, it's it certainly makes more sense than some of the things we get right and more plausible at least like again max getting mur- he is dead right like am i did i miss that like he did in terms of like the story he was dead for a time i thought he was dead right and then shack brings him back to life yeah exactly but i but i missed the part where he like brought him back to life besides just like carrying him. i thought he was just carrying him mourning over his body and then like all of a sudden max just kind of like wakes up well, he goes into some like Nubian chant or something. Hmm. So I got really bored with this movie. Yeah, the end, so like, I had a hard time paying attention. We'll backtrack a little bit because Max did make his third wish at some point before he dies, right, Pappy? Uh, yeah, and that was for his dad to have a second chance, but the right. genie said he couldn't do it because he's not a jinn. His third wish was to have his dad get a second chance, like at life, right? Like, yep, wish he could start over and have a second chance. That does play into like what follows, right, Pappy? Well, it's like there's so many different ways that you could have like materially done that. Like, you know what I mean? He could have like his dad wins a lottery ticket or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> like, oh, now he has a new a new start. But like I said, it doesn't make any sense because. I said the movie should be about him connecting with his new stepdad, right? I don't understand why this wish in particular is a wish pure of heart, which makes Shaq become ethereal. The lore gets so thick here, too, at the end. With everything <laughs> yeah. that's happening. Hey, like I said in the beginning, it was just a PSA for a do something nice for strangers day. Right. You know? Kindness. Mm. Pass it on. And maybe it was someone who just they had an estranged father or something and just about forgiving the the dad that you never knew or whatever. But it's funny how his second chance is uh, his dad going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wishes for his dad to get a second chance. 
he goes to prison and he gets like the Miklo second chance. Alex, <laughs> he's going to go to the top of the chain in the gang that he joins. <laughs> that would be an awesome Kazam part too. <laughs> yeah. Probably, probably not, but I like it. He joins Leonda and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and he somehow becomes the leader. I want to speak to a, a big dumb movie tradition at this point really quickly. There's a scene where they were fighting Kazam was kicking ass. They end up down in the the locked like a uh, um, chain link fence cage, I guess, where they keep all the bootleg tapes and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, one of the guys got kicked and um, landed on top of an electrical transformer. Oh man! And it like literally just like blew up and sparks everywhere and shit went flying all over the place. Totally would not happen in real life. Like all that would happen is that guy would fall on there. It would probably dent the lid just a little bit. But let's say, for example, it did actually dent into that transformer casing enough to like create a short. Okay. All it's going to do is trip the breaker that it was attached to. The sparks and the explosion and all that bullshit would never fucking happen. You know where they got those moves from? From old school WWF, they fall on something random and then just sparks fly out of everywhere. Yeah. Oh my God, dude. So ridiculous. I think this is like four movies in a row now that I've been on that I had to debunk their stupid electrical theory. Yeah. Thank you for bringing the uh, electrical, um, the electrician perspective to the podcast. It's always appreciated. (laughs) You're very welcome. Of how these things would not go down. But I mean, as the movie's ending here, uh, Kazam, Shaq. He finds Max's body, which again was tossed down an elevator shaft. And he gets like very emotional. He has his like very sad Oscar moment of the movie. And honestly, it's unintentionally, I think, the funniest part. What did you think of it, Jonathan? It was kind of a, a mixed scene right here, in in my opinion, because you have this this scene where Kazam finally confesses that in 5,000 years, like he's never had a friend. He's always been, you know, enslaved or just only treated as a genie and really just felt used and abused. And he's having some deep psychological issues over that. So he finally made a friend with Max and like, I don't know how, because Max literally didn't treat him any better than anybody (laughs) ever has in the the past 5,000 years. So So why is he befriending like this little kid? You know, It, it didn't make sense to me. So, and then what happened was when Max woke up, Kazam, basically realized that he made his own wish for Max to be alive and that he made his own wish come true. So it was kind of kind of a strange thing that, that happened because it really wasn't Max's wish to be back alive. It was the genie's own wish to bring him back to life. And then that freed him to become a jinn. And that was like a factor of him like elevating to the next plane in, in being a jinn. But also right. he chooses to like kind of live as a man as well right like right but then he but that also is what allowed him to grant that ethereal wish of giving the dad the second chance because he was no longer genie so, i'll give him a second chance all right cop shows up yeah sir right. you need to come with us <laughs> yeah yeah you're gonna go to jail and lock your shit up for 10 years bud 
He's still working out the ethereal kinks. It's it's new to him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it's like like some people. That's that's where their second chance really is, though. Is they have to be removed from what they're doing. Go lock them up for a few years and let them come out and go. All right, I've reevaluated what I got going on, and 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 I'm ready for uh, to uh, shoot the straight and narrow here. I guess that's you not know. super ethereal. That's just regular. <laughs> American justice system. That's just called being (laughs) responsible for your shit. I mean, okay, but Nick also at this point says like, hey, you know, when I get out and I come back, like I'd like to be present in your life. Like, you know, he realizes like, okay, look, I fucked up and, and, and I haven't been there for my child and I should be. And I think he's, uh, he's down for the co-parenting. At that point, but then again, people going to jail say a lot of shit. So, <laughs> back in the '90s, they were throwing the book at you for uh, for piracy. So who knows? Uh, he might have gotten a life sentence for that. So may have just been a lot of flapping the gums. <laughs> life sentence, still in jail, <laughs> dude. And that's what's so stupid about Shaq's like, oh, you can't criticize this movie. It's for kids. It's like, okay, this movie for kids ends with that complex explanation of like the criminal justice system you know what I mean it's like hey you gotta serve your time like you can't just have like a happy scene of them at Christmas like a year later or something yeah. I don't it's well, so stupid it was happy for Shaq dude he's walking away with a nice piece of ass <laughs> sure was yeah then you see the worst clip ever you see the snaggle tooth and I just wonder what the director was saying like come on give me that grin give me that grin more tooth more tooth <laughs> let's get it at the worst 45 degree angle from below so that we can see max angleage of that fucking tooth, man. Oh, and don't forget to give him a hot chocolate. Fucking Max Ponderosa. What is his deal with hot chocolate? Like, he had all the goodies, like, on his first wish, and he's like, hey, where's the hot chocolate? Yeah, the first thing he wants after being rescued from death is a cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> on a hot, sunny New York summer day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I just I just got rescued from a fire, but I want to have hot chocolate. You're like, dude, give me some fucking water, bro. Give me an ice water. Like, you know, give me a quarter water. Like give, the penguin. I want a nice cup of ice water. <laughs> Oh my god, real quick, we forgot to mention this And this will kind of blend into final thoughts Because I think we're about wrapping up here Shaq takes Malik He turns him into a basketball And slam dunks him Pretty cool He didn't break it though Like It would have been a lot cooler if he would have broke that somehow Just mm. tearing, like, like he was tearing down the backboards Right Yeah, I, I'm with it I, I think Malik deserved far worse than that Like, I think he definitely should have been going to jail so maybe if he stayed and burned up in the fire that's cool does he have to live his life as a basketball if he survives the fire i feel like in shack slash kazam's heart it would only be a temporary thing (laughs) okay (laughs) It, it reminds me of two other like basketball related references in movies one of which is a a movie called double team which is a 90s jean claude van damme slash Dennis Rodman team-up movie where those are the two heroes. They have to like drop into like the enemy's like warehouse or lair or at some, some point in the movie. And Dennis Rodman, who's like, I think the tech guy, he like drops him out of an airplane in like a giant basketball. <laughs> so they're like in a giant rubber ball and it falls down because of course there has to be a basketball reference in the movie. Right. Of course. 
And then another one is Steel. I think it's Steel anyway. Hopefully I'm not getting this movie wrong, which is the next Shaq movie that came out, I think the following year, where he plays again that DC superhero Steel, where he has to make a free throw at the end to save the day, if I remember correctly. If he made the free throw, that's totally not real. I was going to say, that's actually pretty funny. (laughs) I believe he did make it. Like earlier in the movie, he misses a free throw. And then later in the movie, he makes it. Well, it's totally like a ply, a ploy on on Shaq because he was an atrocious free throw shooter. Right, but it's just dumb, right? Yeah, like to is. have to it's work really that is. into the movie. Like there has to be yeah. a basketball thing. Yeah, you can't have the basketball guy without a basketball thing. He has right. to make the free throw. Get it? Wasn't there? Wasn't there another one in like Space Jam when they turned somebody into a basketball? Yeah, Michael Jordan. But that whole yeah. movie's about basketball, so that's a yeah, different true. story. No, I know, but I, I was speaking of like just forming somebody the same into effect. a basketball. Yeah, doing that same exact. Yeah, effect. the monsters yeah. turn MJ into a ball, and yeah. then his voice gets really high, and I hate that effect. And then they they dunk him or something. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's okay. I think it works when it's the bad guy getting turned into the basketball. <laughs> I fucking hate it, dude. I hate <laughs> it so much too, Corey. I think it's so stupid. I just I don't know. It's this movie's like all about Shaq. You know what I mean? Like it's all about the things that Shaq does, like dunking a basketball or rapping. And like I love Shaq, don't get me wrong, but at that point it's like this is Shaq first, the movie second <laughs> with this choice. <laughs> Let's get into final thoughts before we do ratings. Alex, do you have any final thoughts? Well, uh, someone said it earlier. If you've watched this movie as an adult or something, you should be embarrassed. I'm probably embarrassed about a dozen times or so watching this movie as an adult. Um, it, it just brings me back to childhood. And I mean, it's one of those movies that's so dumb. It's just cool to have on in the background. So as much as uh, even Shaq probably hates this movie, because I saw he was on Jimmy Kimmel a couple years ago and Jimmy asked him about this and he totally doesn't like the movie, but it's a classic. It, it, it's got its place on Disney Plus and should be watched by kids. It's funny because he seems to like flip flop. I watched a video called like all the times Shaq talks about Kazam and it's just like various interviews or moments where it's brought up and sometimes he defends it and sometimes he rejects it. So like, I think even he's on the fence. He's even like talked about Sh- uh, Kazam two at some points. And then later <laughs> on, another interview said there will never be a Kazam two. So I mean, who knows? Jonathan, do you have any final thoughts before ratings? Yeah. Um, what, what do you think the targeted audience range was for this? Like what age group? Uh, eight to 12. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Pappy, what do you think? Yeah, like five to preteen. I don't know. Yeah, Babies. for sure. I I don't think that there's any way that this holds up for today's kids. Any kid over like probably eight years old, I don't, I don't think it holds up for them. It, it's not. There's not enough entertainment value. There's not enough based on today's standards of action and storyline and things that get the attention and engagement of that age group. It's sad to see that this terrible, awful movie just still wouldn't make it today. No, this movie, it's its so hard to understand what's, what's happening in the greater scheme of things uh, in the mind of a child, I think. But before I go more into that, Pappy, do you have any final thoughts before ratings? Just two quick ones. Um, at the very end of the movie, when Max is like to his stepdad, you coming or not? And his stepdad's like, you talking to me? 
Dude, that makes my fucking skin crawl. I hate that part <laughs> so much. I don't know why. I can't explain it. It just, ugh. Can we go home now? Sure, we can. Come on. Hey. You coming or what? It's all gonna meet. Some guy walks by and he's like, hey, I'm walking here. Another yeah, guy goes, forget here. about it. And then yeah, it ends. Exactly. Yeah, what, yeah. what kind of a loser just firefighter just like leaves the scene? <laughs> Dude, like the building is still burning. Like you're still on, on the clock, buddy. You know? Yeah. And like every firefighter that I know would have been there trying to get as many hours as possible because they really rack up that overtime. Just there for the one kid, Jonathan. Give him a break. Oh God. <laughs> you talking to me? Dude, he doesn't he doesn't like that kid that much. <laughs> I do like that he wants to get him a basketball or a football to straighten him out. <laughs> At one point, dude, that's his parenting uh style. But then I hate also what what I thought was the most unintentionally funny part is when Shaq is like son Shaq, the Jin, you know, he's like that floating head thing like almost like the wizard of oz or something and he's like in our hearts we are all jinn <laughs> <It's just, laughs> so stupid i laughed out loud i'm jinn and i'm free true though if you think about it pappy yeah you ever i guess. thought about it if you believe you can achieve if in our hearts we are all jim <laughs> i have literally never had that thought like sometimes i'll just be like at work and i'll be really stressed out because you know the workload's really high and we're always understaffed and then i'll just be like you know what in our hearts we're all jim yeah we yeah. can do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> well i don't i don't arrive at that conclusion i just kind of leave it oh. at that yeah i just <laughs> we are all jim no. okay that's all you that's need cool enough <laughs> Yeah, you know, this is a little mystical. I'll, I'll keep it at that and move on. I can tell Jonathan wants to defend that line. We are all shit. He's no, like, no. How dare you? I don't talk want anything this? to do with it. <laughs> <laughs> there is no defense for this. Okay, we are going to go into ratings. Pappy, I'm going to go back to you on any rating scale you want. What are you going to give Kazam? I'm going to give this one out of three wishes, which is about all the kid really got granted for him. And I think I'm still even being generous at like a, a three out of 10 score. I am with you, Jonathan. This movie is actually kind of slow and boring a couple of times. Like I said, compared to like the Robin Williams manic genie performance, which you can't help but compare it to. It's not even in the same fucking ballpark. The only thing that I the only reason I would ever watch this again, I guess maybe I should say, would be to see Shaquille O'Neal, right? Like, this thing about Shaq is he's not good in this movie, 
but he still is insanely likable. I mean, he and the stepdad are the only two like likable characters. And like I said, they gave the stepdad the last name O'Neill. So I feel like there may have been some ego going on for executive producer Shaq. But I fucking love Shaq. It's just it is cool to see him like in a younger, like you know, mid '90s Shaq, a lot skinnier Shaq. But this, there's no reason to watch this as an adult. Three out of ten. So Shaq was right. We should be ashamed of ourselves. I'm not ashamed of myself, but maybe a little bit. <laughs> feel so dirty. <laughs> Alex from Silver Screen Breakdowns, on any rating scale you want, what are you going to give Kazam? Well, I'm giving it four out of five genie lamps. And it's Ooh. because we're we're rating this on the scale of like the big dumb movies, you know, that we love. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, comparing this to let's say Pulp Fiction or, you know, some real great movies in the 90s. But it's one that can always randomly be on in the background. You need bad movies on in the background sometimes because, like, you know, you can't always be distracted from whatever you're doing. So it helps you enjoy life. (laughs) Four out of five genie lamps. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that is extremely generous. I'm going to go next. Interesting, because I remember this movie being worse than it is so that's a, an interesting change right i'm not usually accustomed to that i was like okay this is going to be completely awful and it was just mostly really bad so i my memory of it is far worse than it actually is in most cases i remember a movie being better like angels in the outfield or little giants you know i think kind of fondly of those and then i rewatch them and they're not as good as i remember this one is not as bad as I remember. So I'm going to give it a D minus instead of an F. I think this movie has many problems as a movie, but I the one I'm going to focus in on is uh, the story is, I don't want to say unnecessary, but like it's just a strange choice to go with this story of piracy and like, underground music world i guess they wanted to find a way to get like shack rapping in the movie so they had to find a way to make the the crime element work with his dad who was clearly going to be painted as a criminal the whole time it's just the story is not something that a child can understand shack says this movie is for children explain that then like then why is the writing meant for clearly an older audience when mm-hmm. everything that occurs on screen is meant for a child. So that that's where I leave that. It's a movie I don't like very much, obviously, but could be worse, I think. It's not as bad as Theodore Rex. I'll give it that. <laughs> Jonathan, you're up. Wow. Oh, man. I, again, I don't come up with my ratings until after we reviewed and I like to listen to everybody else's reviews also Um, and I'm actually going to end up rating this probably a little higher than I anticipated I'm going to go with two and a half out of five Nubian goat eyes here I agree with everything that all three of you guys had said Um, Pabby just as you do I love seeing Shaq he's entertaining no matter what he does Um, even if it's dumb or ridiculous he's always fun to watch the movie fucking sucks it's just it's not good yeah it really isn't (laughs) it's 
looks like it could have been filmed in like a couple of days between basketball season. I don't know. <laughs> there are problems with the plot and the subplots and the sub sub plot plots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like this story was just way too complex for for what this movie was. Um, it's not engaging. I was bored. I'm not ashamed to have watched it. <laughs> Take that, Shaq. Yeah. <laughs> so, boo. And I'm not saying I wouldn't watch it again. If my kids wanted to watch it for some weird reason, I probably would let them and I'd watch it with them. But I'm definitely not going out of my way to bring this up ever again. All right. So before we close up, I want to take this opportunity to allow some of our guests here to shout out their podcasts. Alex, I know you do a few things. Why don't you talk about what it is you do and tell people where they can find you? So the movie podcast that we have is Silver Screen Breakdowns. And if you go to ssbpod.com, that'll get you to the podcast. We're also on YouTube. We What we do, it's, it's pretty much like watching movies with your friends. You know, I try to get a bunch of scenes from the movie um, where we pull it up, we're watching it, and just a lot of hanging out. And uh, kind of the opposite of this, where we're not going the dumb movie route. Um, I mean, we've broken down Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Blood In, Blood Out. Started off with a little bit of like the crime genre. Been fun so far. We're only a couple episodes in. Um, appreciate you guys having me here because I've been listening to you guys for a while now. And the other podcast, the one that I've been having going on for three years, is a fantasy football podcast. So if you're into fantasy football at all or fantasy sports, anything like that, if you go to hustlerpod.com, that'll get you to everything that I got going on in the fantasy football world. And then fantasyfootballhustler.com, if you just want to follow me on social media, you go there and literally links to everywhere on that site. Awesome. Definitely check out Alex's pause here. I listened to the Blood In, Blood Out podcast recently, an, an epically long podcast, just like the movie is epically long. You guys really went into detail, which is something that I like on the podcasts that I listen to. So check that out. But also joining us again for the 10th time, maybe, I don't know, Probably. I just made that number up. Pappy, <laughs> why don't you tell people where they can find you and your podcast? Yeah, I guess I forgot to mention this is the big dumb movie debate champion, Pappy. Yeah, so go back and listen to that to episode. That <laughs> yeah. No Steve here, so I couldn't rub it in his face. I noticed he's been ducking me, though, since the debate. Uh, kind of weird, Steve. Where have you been? He doesn't listen to these, by the way. <laughs> I am super excited to listen to the Jackie Brown silver screen breakdown, Alex. That's like one of my favorite movies of all time. But yeah, it's a podcast called Spoilers. Spoilers with an explanation point. You'll probably see it suggested, uh, whatever app you're listening this to on down below, but make sure you, uh, leave a review or a like, or a comment, like engage with this episode, spoilers, silver screen breakdowns, you know, help us out. It's a lot of work to pull these together. So leave a little like on this video or a comment. Awesome. Thank you, Pap. If you the listeners want to write in, you can email us at bigdumbmovie at gmail.com or you can DM me on Instagram. Follow us there. Big Dumb Movie Podcast. Follow us on YouTube, etc., etc. Subscribe to us, listen to us, and uh, check out some of our older episodes. You can always find a movie that you love that we will absolutely shit on on this podcast. So that's something we do regularly. Right, Steve? 
Oh, I'm sorry, right, Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, as much as we love to shit on movies, we love to actually love movies also. It's so, true. We did love the last movie we reviewed by the same director. Do you remember what it was? No. The Running Man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the same director. Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. That's <laughs> yeah, so we. it doesn't always have to be a dumb movie or a terrible movie. We love reviewing great movies also. Yeah. Maybe the next one we do, that'll be the route we go. But I want to thank you all for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. And good night.
If you watch Kazam as an adult, you should be ashamed of yourself. The movie was for children, but because it was me, the Shaxter, you get all these Siskel and Ebert type guys trying to critique the movie. 